All right. Yeah. Action. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Strangest Fruit Podcast. Make sure and hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment. We always want you to interact with us. You could follow us on all platforms. Um, today we got Frankie Carrillo, which um, I spoke to you earlier. I was telling you it's another full circle moment for me. I met him for the first time when I was in Corcoran Shoe in 2014. He came with Scott Budnick, um, Elizabeth Calvin, Javier Starring. Um, you had just recently got out at the time. And uh, that was a pivotal moment in my life because, you know, as I shared with you, I was literally in the process of, of going through my change. And I'm talking about like a change of my thought process, how I behaved, what I wanted in life. And um, yeah, so it's amazing like to be literally sitting here with you, um, talking to you now. So welcome to, your, to our show and, and, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Yeah. And um, by the way, I wore, I wore sort of a little prison attire here, light blue, some darker blue and some brown. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah, what is make, sure, make sure that, uh, you know, you recognize me. And, you yeah, know, I threw on a collar. Wore the prison pants Usually again? this is the guy no, with the me, collar dressed me. up. Yeah, 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 this is my outside prison look, you know, but yeah. it's the same colors, you know. It's too hot. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't do it. It's a hundred, it's a hundred and some degrees in my house. It take me as I am, like we're going to church. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> Why not? Um, and it's also special that you're on the show today, too, because, um, you know, I did 29 years. He did 17 years. Um, so we feel the responsibility of representing, like, the prisoner class, the, the, the idea that change is possible. Um, started off, like, for the few people in the world that don't know your story. Um, share with us, please. Yeah, um, you know, I'm a, well, again, guys, thanks for having me. I'm a, I'm an LA boy, man. I'm uh, born here, born and raised. I see the the Spanto, you know, right behind Dante yeah. here. Spanto, Rest in peace, Spanto. You know, it's uh, I was um, I was born in Boyle Heights General Hospital in 1974, which makes me 49 years old. Uh, Mom and dad were, you know, had been here in the U.S. for about three or four years from Mexico. I'm one of four children, and we were brought up in Linwood. So Linwood is uh, on the south side of town. Um, you know, at the time, it, uh, early on, I experienced white flight. So it was, you know, predominantly a lot of uh, Caucasian families still there. But as life went on, you know, it was became a cornucopia of just L.A., like everywhere else. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, talking about, you know, 80s, mid, late, and then ultimately into the early 90s. And then my life took, a, uh, you know, was turned upside down. But I think as my youth... I was, I was a happy kid. If you ask me, I was always very optimistic. You know, my dad was an older father. He had all the tools in the garage. And, you know, I was an eight-year-old with the, with the welding helmet on okay, and, you know, yeah, yeah. messing with the mini bikes and, yeah, you know, yeah. about the, you know, just, just doing stuff, man. Was always, I was the kid who always said yes to when someone said, hey, you know how to fix something? I'm like, yeah, I know how to do that. You, can you help me with my roof? Like, yeah, you know, and, and so, you know, this... It, it was cool to be in a world where um, my parents, you know, were, were cool with me just sort of being out and about, which is very different nowadays. You know, my dad and I, I can't even imagine my kid on a bike, you know, a block away from me or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you grow up like, um, was it like an impoverished neighborhood? Do you remember like struggling? Like what, what would you say are the things that like kind of formed you? You know, it's interesting, bro. Um, my, my parents had divorced. Mm. typically the, the the father leaves you know it's right. you know whatever culture typically that you know it's the, the mom stays with the kids and the mm -hmm. dad bounces 
in my case, it was the other way around. You know, moms, for a number of reasons, she just was kind of done being a mom and a wife, and so she left the family. So my dad raised my myself and my my siblings. You know, I, I felt like I grew up in a in an abandoned city. Like when I was growing up, there was like diners and bowling alleys that were like from a previous era. Helen Grace was like a an old candy store that that was in Linwood, and so it had these, you know, it had dairies and stuff like that. That you know that were definitely not from you know the sort of my era at least. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't think I ever bowled, yeah. but I would walk into the bowling alley and they had like a little like, you know, where they would give you a little, you know, banana splits and your little float. You know, Linwood was like, you know, right next to Compton where Nixon lived as a kid. Right. Uh, Richard Nixon, Richard, a former president. You know, there's stories about like Tricky that Dickie. this world. Yeah. You know, was was predominantly like a, a safe space for for, uh, you know, whatever, 30s, 40s, 50s and so on. And it had uh, it had the remnants of like what it used to look like, but now the diner had become, you know, a Mexican restaurant. But the, the name was still there, and so on. Yeah. But okay, it, so okay. it was um, it was transitioning into into a new a new dynamic there. But you know, I would I wouldn't call it you know, um, I th- I would sort of define Linwood at the time as as a really good city. That um, the bones are really good, but what started happening was like the drug epidemic showed up. Yeah, gang violence was extremely hard in that area. That's interesting. Yeah, my family's from Compton and Linwood, mm. and the way that my auntie was describing it is the same way you're describing it. And she's like, "Yeah, we had people had pools. They yeah. had manicured lawns, and everybody was going playing people's yards." This is what it was like. So you were there before the crack era. I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you that another dynamic is that Linwood sat in a in a geographically like wonky spot because to to on one side you had the 710 freeway in the riverbed, mm-hmm. and then beyond that was Downey, mm-hmm. Downey Lakewood, but mainly Downey. And at the time, Downey was like a very well protected white city. Yeah, yeah, and if you lived at Downey and, and you weren't white, you were you sort of thought like a white person, or you sort of like believe that this is like a bubble, like you know, right. yeah. we're, we're we're like in a different dynamic over here. But on that side of the riverbed, it's it's Linwood. Okay, yeah. And then on on the on the west side was the tracks Alameda, and then you went to Watts and sort of South Central, Compton, Willowbrook, Southgate, Long Beach. Yep. Is then you go on the other side, Bellflower, yep. then ease up a little bit. It's uh, Norwalk. It's just, it's, it's like stuck. <laughs> it's like exactly. But Linwood had like, if you, it kind of, it, it had like an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Were you rolling with the blacks or were you rolling with the whites? Right. And then the middle was kind of like a sort of safe space. Mm-hmm. But I think what, as time went on, I, I think that what made it very clear was like law enforcement. Right. So law enforcement patrolled Linwood as if it was still a white city. So, you know, here's, here's folks from, you know, deputy sheriffs who are maybe living in West Covina, Huntington Park, uh, Beach, not Park, um, you know, sort of outsiders coming in to patrol. And <laughs> I like how you specified that Huntington Beach, yeah, not Park. Yeah, it's no, totally no, different. Right totally here. different. Yeah, totally yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, don't get off on the wrong exit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think there was a, you know, growing up, there was this dynamic with the, the local deputy sheriffs there and, um, I, I think they they took the they didn't realize that that the white people had left, mm. that it was a different dynamic here. But they patrolled it as if they were like working in Downey or whatever, right? right. And then what year are you talking about, right? I'm talking about like early '80s. Okay, okay. you know, I so I'm talking so when I was maybe going to 
junior high school was like 85. It's interesting about like, just like how sometimes you think about just listening to something on the radio yesterday about, you know, people understand now that, you know, there's always this sort of how we're starting this conversation about like where, where you grew up determines a number of things. People know that now, but they still live in certain spots that there's a preconceived notion about like where they're going to end up youth. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still there. So yeah. like if I was, if I, if I knew, you know, I'll just pick Watts since someone's here from Watts that, you know, the likelihood of you um, going to a university or you uh, being un untouched by the judicial system is kind of rare. More than likely you will be, you know, somehow involved mm. um, if you live there, you know, for a number of reasons, people obviously still live there, which is great. But this, this thing that I was catching on the radio yesterday was that like, there's other folks who say, you know what, I got to leave California. I got to leave L.A. I got to be somewhere else where the likelihood of my child succeeding is more important than me being near my grandma or whatever. So, yeah. So you meaning as in um, school to prison pipeline? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely Watts, one of them. Most yeah. of the people that go to Watts, they go to a specific school and then they end up going to Jordan. And then after Jordan, Jordan is where you meet just the, the meetup of all the gangs or right. the areas from kids going nobody's getting yeah. bust out from pacific palisades to go to watts to go to school right. because of their programs no yeah. people are you're either getting bust out or you're staying here and when you're here you when in rome yeah. you know you know and, and shout outs yeah. to watts too i mean watts is a beautiful city too yeah. so i'm not like i'm just we're just oh yeah no what no it's just the 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 i mean you know the the dynamics of watts yeah yeah watts was a, a railroad uh city so everybody that came like what eli was saying everybody that came from the south they needed places to go. So Watts was one of those places. People worked on the railroads. Watts was a really nice, nice city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Compton was a nice city, and it was farmland. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. my grandparents. You know, and that. even in South Central, South Central was predominantly owned by Jewish folks. Mm -hmm. And then when they left out, other people came in. Yeah. and like, all right. Yeah. So where it was this small business, mom and pops, delis and all that, every other block you have mortuary and a liquor store now. Mm -hmm. So... That's kind of, and I think <laughs> even when I was growing up, I think I think neighborhoods, uh, if it was uh, the Pyrus, the Crips, the Southsiders, I mean, you sort of learned like where the lines were, the invisible lines about, you know, be careful what you're wearing. I remember walking from Linwood to the Compton Indoor when it was, you know, not, not when it was brand new, but at some point it's a long walk, and I remember almost getting there, and Ooh. I had some Adidas on. And the dude I was with said, damn, Frankie, like your shoes have a little bit of red in them. And I swear to God, I was thinking like, how do I take off these like red, orangey stripes? Yeah. I was a Bengals fan when I was a kid. And it was like black Adidas with these like orangey stripes. And it was like my first time remembering like I'm going to be either judged or preconceived to be part of a group because of these, this color on my shoe. And it really bothered me because so I was even trying to take them off. at that time. Yeah, because this guy, you know, he planted the seed about like, oh, shit, man, we're going to get in trouble now because like what you're wearing. And it was just like we're like a block away. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. had walked miles to get there and like, oh, here we go, you know. And I was really concerned as a kid, like mm. thinking, damn, I, you know, I don't want to whatever. I don't want to be assaulted or hit yeah. up about why you're wearing those red whatever, right? So, but yeah, so then you learn about these dynamics that are around you. And then um, it seemed everyone was just aware of it, you know. Yeah. You said you were a Bengals fan. Are you still one? You know what's crazy, man? My my dad, my dad had a lot of friends, man. And one day, my my dad's friend swing, swung by the pad, and maybe the beer was running low. And my dad said, "Hey, you know, go with Chewy to the to local Chinese store," is what they referred to it back then on off on Atlantic uh, Boulevard. 
and he was trying to be a cool friend of my dad. So he's like, hey, you know, pick a hat, any hat, you know. So behind oh, the cashier, there was like a, a treasure trove of like every potential, you know, team back there. And I could have swear I pointed point at the Raiders hat because, you know, it was Raider. Yeah, we, yeah. We were in town. Yeah, and I just yeah. had, you know, yeah, give me the black and white one. And the dude gave me the Bengals hat. And, you know, I'm stuck with this Bengals hat wearing it. It was my only, like, kind of cool new hat. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, by default, became a yeah, Bengals fan, you know? <laughs> stuck. I, I was a, a Miami Dolphins fan for a lot of years because I, I went to my friend's house and I seen Dan Marino in front of, like, a mansion with, like, a, a Lamborghini. And it just looked so cool. And I was like... It's all it takes, man. If I, maybe if I'm a, a Dolphins fan... Today's Hope you had a shirt on. And today's white moment brought to you by yeah. Don James. <laughs> you always have every episode is one of them. Are. Dolphins? Yeah. Well, Dolphins? I mean, just, I like the, it was more about the, the mansion and the Lamborghini. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I ended up jumping chip and now I'm a Rams fan now. But, um, yeah. you know, I'll tell you guys that, that Linwood, this is now, we're talking about 90, 1990. And Linwood was like at the apex of just like oh, the city yeah. maybe, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, pre, you know, obviously a little bit before the Rodney King riots and all that, but. Going um, to old, old Linwood High? Old Linwood High School on Bullets Road. That's where you went? No, I didn't or go no, there, okay. but that's that was kind of like a, a hub. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of nasty. Yeah, mm. cause you, if you're looking at the geographics of the area and the gangs, that's hard for a, a kid. That's hard to, to live in that. Because it's like, I went to Dominguez. Mm -hmm. So I know you're clarified by this, like how you said. Rosecrans, right? Where, are you, where do you live? It's not where you're from. It's where do you live? So in your era, 1990, that was the year I was born. Yep. Yep. All the way 20-something years later, that still is, is there. Where do you live? Are you on this side of the bridge? Do you walk down bullets? Because if you walk down bullets, we know where you're from. Mm. If you walk down, what's this? Alondra, Compton Boulevard, we know where you're from. And then it comes to choose a side. But Linwood, like you said, is such a just a, a like mix. Because mm -hmm. you have Linwood Paragons, you got the mobs, you got the two elevens, you got the dudes from Southgate. So everybody's here just pushing one big mix. It's, it's, yeah. it's like it's where the institutionalization comes but I'll in. But I'll tell you before we get into that part of the story, <laughs> yeah, when I was yeah. when I was uh, when I graduated from sixth grade elementary school, uh, the summer between sixth and seventh grade, which determined elementary and, mid and junior high school, uh, I remember like the weekend before school was going to start. Like I don't know who it was, but someone kind of rode around on their bike and said, "Hey, everybody who's." who's going to junior high next, this Monday, like, we're going to have a meeting. And I'm thinking, okay, cool, a meeting, right? <laughs> a meeting? Like, damn, yeah. you know, like, you know, they, they're calling the meeting. Okay. Youngsters, right? These are like 11, 12, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever age you are. Yeah. And sure enough, man, you know, so, you know, that was me. I applied, you know, I, mean, I, I qualified for this, you know, who's going to junior high school. So I show up, a lot of dudes I know from elementary school, other guys I, I know because it's a it's a small community, and the dudes who were there eighth who were now eighth graders in Hosford Junior High School in Linwood, they basically said like, look guys, here here's what's going on. Like it or not, because you live on this side of Atlantic, they're gonna classify you as being part of the local gang. Well, who said this? These, these are dudes who are already the local gang. That's that where I live. Okay, okay. They're already saying like, hey, like just FYI. Oh, okay, okay. I'm got giving you. you guys a heads up. Got you, got you. He getting laced. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you're getting laced exactly. Okay. So just you, we from where, where home was, it was about a two two mile walk back and forth from the school. 
And so they were just kind of giving you a breakdown about like what to expect, you know, supplied to the girls and the boys, obviously. And so the guy was basically saying like, look, if you guys want to kind of see for yourselves or you guys want to come with us, we'll be meeting at Jack's Donuts on Monday morning at seven in the morning. And we're all going to walk to the school. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's, I guess I'm walking with the group, right? So we walk into school and uh, get to school and we go down th- like behind Linwood, Linwood Park and into the main uh, entrance of the school, past Bullis and we're in the school now. And it, it was as if like the whole school was waiting for us. There might've been about, I don't know, give or take maybe 30 of us, both boys and girls, first day of school. And we walk in. And we walked into like the, the plaza, I guess, of the school. Yeah, like the, the quad. Like the quad, the, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, the main yard, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like, this is my first moment of the main yard, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, and, and flat yeah. out, man, it was a full-on riot, man. Like everyone was like, here they come, here they come, here they come, here they are, attack, dude. And so this is my, my uh, so what these guys were talking about, you know, this pre-meeting warm-up thing was legit. Damn. You know, and so that was my introduction to this dynamic. That you was know. your baptism. Yeah. Wow. And it's like history repeats itself because I went through the same thing. So during summer school, the, what is it, L.A. Unified School District decided we're going to mix Whaley and Roosevelt together and put them all in one school. So the guys that were going to Whaley have to go now to Roosevelt, which is located Kelly Park, Southside, neighborhood Compton. So you have all the guys that blood family members, Paru family members, they're walking way over here. And the same thing happened. Mm. As soon as the front gate opened, a riot erupted on a junior high school Damn. football field. It's crazy, Damn. man. It's crazy. And so you get into, now you get into like, I'm just ditching. I'm right. pretending I'm going to school, but right. I'm not going to school because I don't, I don't want any more of that. Right? right. So then you might go every so often and you leave early, you start finding the little windows of opportunity to like avoid the drama. Wow. And so you leave before lunch or you leave before a fifth period or you leave, you know. Fight or flight. Exactly, yeah. you know. And so, you know, it's, it's trippy, man. And then we'll, we'll move on to the, to the, you know, incarceration and so on. Right. But uh, uh, Shout out to your pops, man. That's right, shout man. Out. That's, that's, that's yeah. like with the field that I'm in is now I'm teaching kids. Mm. And it's hard as hell to teach kids let alone be full-time parent, like going to work, coming home, doing this. And it's like, all right, school's calling and all that. So that's, you know, shout out to, to the, the dads out there doing it by themselves. You know, that's, that's yeah. yeah, they don't get yeah. enough credit. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, Pops, you know, Pops did a great job, man. And I, um, I drop his name every time I get. So, I, you know, thank you for beating me to the punch. You know, right. yeah. Yeah. but I will, I will say that it's still, it's, it's dad, but it's my aunt, it's the neighbor. It's always a, it's always a village, you know, and Indeed. but pops is for obviously sure. pops is there, you know, and, um, so this is a little funny nuance story. So my, you know, there was a dude in the neighborhood who was exempt from all this drama that I was telling you about. Oh, wow. And I noticed him, and, and I'm like, damn, why, why is this guy like, who is he? Like, why is he not being like, why is he going to school? Why yeah, is yeah. he like, Who why is he not? With? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I realized my, my only like visual that was different was that he would wear like, like Latigras were like kind of in at the time. He would have like a yellow one and he would have like a pink one. He would have like a salmon colored one. So he looked uh, different. Oh yeah. Everyone else is rocking like just the dark clothes or just like, you yeah. know, 
clothes yeah. that were like for adults. They were kind of you know wearing stuff that yeah the starter jacket, the starter jacket, <laughs> and, you know members only jacket. <laughs> you know you're wearing a jacket when you just, it's hot right. and you're wearing a jacket. You know yeah. yeah yeah. And I remember going going you know we would go shopping to the Compton Indoor, and I remember telling my sister I said you know like you know they, they were they were from the hood too you know from the neighborhood and you know. And, and I just like was tested the water and said like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Like it was like a salmon. It wasn't pink, pink. Went crazy. <laughs> they were like, man, you you better put that shit down, you know. Like, right. and, and it and it really shamed me, right? Because what I was, I think what I was trying to do at 13 years old was trying to separate myself by what I was wearing, but they weren't they weren't supporting it. Oh damn, right. you were like trying to find a way out, like like a, wow. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to be different. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't move. I couldn't like denounce. You know what, what was I gonna do? Like just like pack my little bag and leave. You know. So I was trying to be different in that fishbowl. You know. And Dang. and you consciously knew like this is not what I wanted. There was a visual. There was like an example yeah. of a dude who was who was cutting you know, like just being invisible. He was invisible to his little yellow or pink shirt. Latigra. He was still rocking his little you know knockoff Latigra or whatever. But or whatever they were called, like a like a right. whatever the, you know. <laughs> Kind of like wow. cost. Yeah, oh, the cost. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. A little gator thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gator, yeah, yeah. Tiger <laughs> climbing up. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if that wouldn't have been the thing, him dressing like that, my next thing would have been like, your mom and daddy must be the police. <laughs> right. Ain't nobody going to mess with the police kids. Yeah, yeah. No, sir. So <laughs> that's, that's, man, you actually were trying, trying. Like, he's like, I'm about to change up the whole wardrobe. The whole you know? wardrobe. Do you ever think, like, if I would have ever got that salmon Latigra <laughs> shirt, my life would have took a whole nother, <laughs> like, just, it was a salmon Latigra shirt. Probably walk it in the mall, right? Yeah. yeah. Damn. Only <laughs> if, right? Only yeah, if. Look yeah, at these yeah. folks. I got a couple kids that need this right here. Put it on. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, that's. Yeah, but it's trippy, man. But, it, you know, so life went on and, it, you know, I would, I would, by default, you know, you want to go to school. You're, you're a kid. Man, right. you just left elementary, so yeah, you know, of course, the neighborhood causes you know other upheavals and drama. So, I've, I've been stabbed before. So, before I was well, it's by the time I was 16 years old, I had been stabbed easy about 10 different times. Whoa, I, I and, didn't know that part, yeah. So, I, I think you know, it's it's bizarre. I, I even sort of like wonder how that all happened, but you know. Th- you know, fistfights were like the, the people just fought. You know, that was like a language, man. Like, what are you looking at? Oh, here we go, right? So you're fighting. Yeah. And it went from fighting to the dude with the knife. And I would never, I'm thinking, I would just have another fistfight. You know, I'm not going to, you know, run from that like that, you know, next, whatever, right? Another one. And then I would be like, damn, my leg is hot. And then, oh, shit, the dude stabbed me. And like, oh, that's different. And then, you know, you go to school and, you know, you get jumped and here we go again. There's that, that mm-hmm. hot spot on your back or whatever, right? Like, oh, I've been stabbed again. And it's, um, I never walked into it like this and, hey, I'm going to stab you. It starts off like, oh, let's have a fight. Yeah. Like, I want to test you or we're just going to fight because this is what we do. This is how we communicate. And then it kind of leads to that. And so, or is yeah. that, is that, 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 that one dude that's, I've seen it, the person, because I was taught by some older dudes. And it was, you know, you run across a dude, he has a gun. If that dude's wanting to put that gun down and fight, you fight that man. Mm-hmm. And then you walk away from it. Now you have, well, not even now, but back then, you always have that person that's really a coward on the inside. But their outside has the bravado of, I'm the king of the jungle. Mm-hmm. He know he can't whoop you. Mm-hmm. But I gotta, I can't let everybody see me lose to this dude. Right, right. Not him. Right. For some reason, you're him. 
Like, right. not him, whoever that individual is. So he wants to take it up a notch. He, nine times out of ten, you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. But stabbing somebody, that is a very intimate you did that's, yeah yeah that's so. that's yeah that's it takes a lot for a person to do something like that yeah and, no, and you're right that's that's before what you were 10 no before by the time i was 16 16 but I'll, but i'll tell you that i i think if i would have if i would have seen the knife i would have like hey i'm, I'm cool yeah, man sure. whatever right yeah but it's one of these things where you know you just you just kind of going into it because that's just kind of what happens there it's, it's not you do. you're not looking for it. it's just dudes want to fight you know and and, you know, it's funny, uh, years ago now since I've been out, and I kind of give you the cat's out the bag that I was on the inside, but now that I'm out, I, uh, <laughs> I, met, a, I met a dude who said he had never fought in his life. He never had a fist fight. I go, me like, 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 a, like really, dude? Like, never had, like, a, a headlock or, like, a punch? I had a in prison like that. He oh, was, really? Yeah, 29. Never fought in his life. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. What? How'd he get to jail? Uh, Wire fraud? It was actually like a carjacking. He was a college student who got stuck on Adderall, and his brain like zeroed on this idea that I got to get to work Monday. He let his girlfriend borrow his white Honda Accord, and he, in his mind, said, I need a Honda Accord. I need a Honda Accord. This is like a dude that's never committed a crime in his life, and he did a carjacking. Like He told the lady, hey, I need your car. I need to go to work Like high on Adderall. I read the transcripts. It's like It was almost like a like a 20 minute carjacking. Like he helped about her insurance. He let her, he, he took her groceries <laughs> out of the car, but what the fuck? yeah, oh, wow. well, that's the yeah. guy that like never, uh, it's your celly, yeah. yeah, that was my celly. <laughs> but then that also, God willing coming home in like a year. Yeah, that's, oh, he's still there. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming home in a year. He's in fire camp right now. You get that car ready for him, man. You know, he yeah. gets out, but that also Cinema. shows the, the, you weren't even able to see the signs. We don't see the signs at those right. times. Right. You got stabbed 10 times and you didn't die. Mm-hmm. You had a purpose. God had a purpose for you. Like, mm. look, man, all right, put you through yeah. this, put you through this, yeah. put you through this. So it was, it was, it started off for you at a young age where your path was supposed to go. It's trippy, bro. Yeah, mm. it's you know, and you know, it's just, um, you know, I would at some point I started thinking, man, you know, this is, I don't, there's no other people telling me they've been stabbed a bunch of times, right? And I realized that, um, like I said, like if I would have known there was a gun or a knife, I would have like, you know, say, yeah, I'm, yeah. you know, cool, man, I, I would have ran or whatever. Um, but then I, in, as a kid, I would like turn, flip that, right? Like, yeah, I was, you know, whatever, like they, the, to your point, like they had, they felt they were losing or whatever. So they had to go dirty or whatever. And so, um, but you're right. Like, luckily that was one that was uh, really close to my back, my spine. Mm. And, uh, that was a big group of guys who had jumped me in. So yeah, you're right, man. I'm grateful. Never really thought about it that way, but right. I'm grateful I survived those, uh, those stab wounds as well. Yeah. yeah. In real nasty, and back then, that's when ice picks were were going, and that's internal yeah. bleeding. You'll they'll never know where it came yeah. from. You just bleed out somewhere. So that's yeah. sheesh. So that was high school, going into high school or Middle, junior. That's, that's like sixteen years junior old. Junior high school, man. Yeah. Like young young cat, just you know. It's I'm telling you, man. It's I mean, it's, the neighborhood. You know, uh, everyone is sort of like pretending, practicing. You know, there was never some like forty-year-old dude trying to stab you. I, I, I never fought someone you know who was older, but like that just was like something people did. You know, right. and it, it seems kind of I'm not trying to excuse it, but like yeah. unfortunately, I was the guy who was like stabbed. You know? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it goes to show the the tribalism, the tribal tribal aspect of it. It goes to show um, actually where where people came from because mm -hmm. that's that's where I seen my 
first stabbing. It wasn't in prison. It was on streets. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't from gang stuff. It was a grown man and a kid playing with a grown man. And a grown man said, look, old school Southern dude went in the military. My stepdad. Don't play with grown folks. Kid wanted to keep playing. All right, pulled him out. Sliced him. There you go. I bet you won't do it again. <laughs> so it was, it was, you know, that's, that's how easy it was. Yeah. Pops used to always have a knife. Like, you know, that's why I don't get surprised when I, I walk around and I see older dudes and they have the knives. I'm like, oh, you know. That is old school. Yeah, they use a knife for everything. Like, knife on yeah, their hip right yeah. there. Oh, man. The, 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 you the, hear the, the snap come up. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. You know the the oh, sink's leaking. Yeah. Let me go get a screw. Yeah, give him yeah. a knife. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a tool for you everything. You got some spinach right. in your tooth here. <laughs> Our old boss, we, I seen Micah at a kid's uh, at a kid's birthday party. <laughs> he, he was like, all right, so the, the tie down stuck in the ground, pulls his knife out, lifts the thing up on the part, puts it, flips it back in, puts it in. It's, it's an accessory. Right, right. Depends yeah. on what you're using it with. So I normally carry a knife too, but just not today. Yeah. yeah. All right, you know. Yeah. I can make you one real quick. But <laughs> I see that right yeah, here. Yeah, we got a few right here. <laughs> um, so, okay, so... That moment, or the days leading up. So we left Linwood. So Pop's like, you know what? This is this is a little too much now. You know, my, it was myself, now. my little brother, sister had married off. We left Linwood and went to Maywood, which isn't, you know, not it wasn't Linwood, but it was Maywood, and you know, it was about I don't know, seven miles away. Um, different, you know. I went to school in Montebello. Um, not too many friends, but you know, it was a new life. And there was still some folks still back in Linwood who we knew and so on. But my sisters that lived there were still living there with their families. And um, I really, I really, at the days leading up to my to my arrest, it was a new life. So sort of Linwood was behind me, and now we're in Maywood and so on. I remember, I remember um, this this interesting dynamic that was that was unfolding in my life I was uh I was really enjoying school I hadn't hadn't been going to school because of all the obvious reasons back in Linwood and I was really enjoying being a student I was uh now around uh Asians and whites and you know it was like another cornucopia of just people like from Monterey Park and Montebello and other places of, of the city that I was like learning about and, you know, they had like, uh, this school had like uh, open campus for lunch. You could go get a pizza and come back. And they had a football team. And it was, I, I just felt like I was like, like a true vac- American moment, dude. Like I had finally yeah. arrived, you know? It's almost like a vacation, like finally free of all this weight and all these circumstances around you. I think, I think the hypervigilance of the life that I was, had been living in, in Linwood, I, my, my senses had a break. I was now in a, in a space where I was able to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and just did like, you? Were you able to? Oh or yeah. Were you still on Linwood mode for? No, I, I think it definitely sunk in really quickly. This was very different. Linwood you know, this mode. was yeah Linwood mode. Right? Yeah, yeah. L mode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because so, you know it was it was cool. You know, but uh, so so here's the moment, man. So I remember uh, we're living in, in a one bedroom apartment. My father and I, my little brother. And I remember I needed a haircut really bad. And um, my my girlfriend at the time, she, she was pregnant. So the one thing that was like still Linwood was that my I had impregnated my then 15-year-old girlfriend. I was 16. She was 15. Okay. And, um, you know, it was I was afraid of her dad finding out. So it was all kind of coming together, right? And then her my father knew, her father knew, and her family but still, like, I wasn't ready to be a father, and all those complexities were, like, at the table. 
And back to my haircut, man. So I, I needed a haircut bad. And I remember January 23rd, 1991. I had seen my father before he went to bed. He would, I would like see him, like the door would be cracked. And I would see him in his underwear. And he would, and he would be on the knees, on his knees on the side of the bed praying. And he never, he never taught us how to pray. He never invited us to pray. He just, that was his thing. And if you saw it, you know, you saw it. If not, you wouldn't even know he prayed. And I felt my life was like a lot of pressures. Obviously, the main one was like my girlfriend's pregnant. I'm going to school. What like this tug of like Linwood, my new world and so on. Right. But mainly just being afraid to be a dad. And, and you know, I mean, I th- it's, it's unfortunate, but I was just not prepared to be a father at that young age. And, um, I had, we weren't a religious family, but I got on my knees. I slept on the couch that night, got on my knees and I prayed. I don't know what I said, but the next day I was awakened by the sheriff's department knocking down my, my front door. The five in the morning raid, the whole, but this case was six in the morning. Okay. Yeah. So January 24th, 1991 city of Linwood, uh, rudely awakened by the Linwood sheriff's department. Uh, you know, the entire apartment was just rattling. They couldn't get in. It was a metal door. And uh, I reached over and I, I opened it and they came in. You know, of course, all the, all the you know, the script, um, you know, plays out. Get on the floor, you know, spread your, spread your legs or spread your arms. You know, and then they were kind of just ramsacking the place, right? My dad comes out of his room and, you know, he's laying next to me kind of face to face. And he's like, what happened? Like, what did you do? I'm like, nothing. Like, I'm just like, I'm not sure why they're here. And I don't know if I might have said, like, maybe it's my little brother. Like, maybe they're looking for him. I don't know. Like, I'm just at a loss as well. And he, he's asking, and they're ignoring him. And eventually they, they uh, tell me to put my clothes on. And what I didn't say a minute ago was that the night before, I had ironed my clothes to go to school because it was a Thursday or Friday. So the ironing board was still out. The clothes I was going to wear that day were still there. And I, I put them on. I got dressed as if I was going to school, but instead I was going to jail. Mm. Los Padrinos. So they first took, took me to the sheriff's station in Linwood. <sighs> yeah, man. And you're clueless. Did they tell you at any point? Like, no, these guys, you know, there's a, there's a backstory. And I'll, I'll, I'll weave it in a minute. But there was uh, the Linwood Vikings were the local mm-hmm. sh- uh, sheriff deputy gang. Okay. In Linwood, so I knew them. They knew, you know, they knew about me, and my family, and everybody else. They're really good at their their nexus. They're aware of who's there. So uh, these guys are the ones that you know. Now they're here in Maywood, looking through my stuff, right? And so, um, no talk. And they they might have said something in the car, but you know, these are just transportation. They weren't, you know, yeah. they weren't doing any interrogation or anything. And so when I get to the sheriff station. They uh, they put me in front of this deputy Gorin or Goran or I think it's Gorin is how he pronounces it. Big buff dude and he's you know reading my rights and I was being arrested initially for a shooting that happened in Compton, off of like um, Long Beach Boulevard and like Tams. It was like a hamburger hamburger station hamburger joint, and it was kind of like near there. And I knew nothing about it. It's so like nope, like nope, that wasn't me. Tams. Yeah. Yeah, we ate at Tams. Oh, you did? When oh, I went okay. to go visit his neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. stopped by Tams. Yeah. So we, uh, so, you know, going through the motions about like, you know, 
Okay, you're, you're being arrested for the shooting that happened in Compton or maybe Linwood. And um, okay, cool. You know, like what, what are you thinking be? right now? Like what? You know, it was just like it happened so quickly. But he said, "Well, wait, wait, it's not over yet. Someone else wants to talk to you." So I said, "Okay." So I just sat there. I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm not like walking around the station. So I sit there, and I felt like that was just like a little preliminary moment there for them. Yeah. Just like, hey, we got you for the shooting. You know, like, okay, then you know, you can be on LP, but stand by. You know, so you know, I'm shuffled from one room, interrogation room to another. And I get there, and so, you know, we're going through the motions again about, you know, you have the right to remain silent. You're being accused of the murder of Donald Sarpy. And so, you know, the, the first one was what the warrant was out for. So the warrant was for this, like, shooting in Compton that, you know, had, there was really no identification. So they, it was sort of easy to get, get a judge to sign that warrant for my arrest. But now that they had me in custody, they dropped this, this murder charge on me, you know, whatever, five minutes later. Oh, so the first one was just a ruse to get you at the station. I think I think because I think that if if they were looking f- to arrest me for this murder, because it was such a sloppy case, I don't think a judge would have signed that warrant arrest. So th- I think the other one was a ruse to just get me arrested, and then okay. once they had me, then you drop this other charge on me. So, okay. so I get there, and you know, it, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll share it here, is that like I, I really chuckled because I really thought like. One, it was a serious charge, but I was like, "Me, a murderer!" Like it, it was that kind of like response, like you know, like you're 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 messing yeah. with me. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's not to minimize the, the death of Donald Sarpy, but it was just like, you know, come on, like where's it? Where's uh? You got the wrong know, guy. You got the wrong guy. Yeah. You know, and it's like a natural response. Like relax, dude. Like you're you're playing me or whatever. And had you had any prior altercations with them that would cause them to want to like have animosity towards you or who the the the, the police? I mean, it's the Linwood Vikings. So, like, it was it was a dynamic in in the city, where like the neighborhood yeah. or the city as a whole was was in, f- in this this feud with like the citizens with law enforcement. Okay, gotcha. So there's you, like this you. long history about like abuse, you know. So yeah. and we gave each other that look because the Vikings I always. You know, I'm always putting all that shit on blast. Yeah. I'm the three thousand boys, the the Vikings, the guys that they have over at the Compton station, all these different gangs that they have created, and then I let people know I'm I'm, I'm giving them what it is the truth. And one of the initiations for these gangs is you have to do an active shooting to be a part of these gangs. The three thousand boys that run the Los Angeles County Jail down there, and those those basements, and those you know thirty five hundred fish roll around mm-hmm. that weird stuff that's going on where the lights go off and it's just water and sewage running through there. There's a gang that lives in there that's worse than the alleged worse. Right. You know what I'm saying? And how am I supposed to trust the people that are supposed to protect? So there's no trust in the community if you mm-hmm. have guys running around being cowboys. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well put. You know, well put. And so, you know, they go, I think we went through the motions about a five or 10 minute interrogation, which was, um, where, where was I on January 18th at 7 p.m.? And so it was, they were really asking me about six days prior. And I remember exactly where I was at. I had went, gone to school that day, came home, um, did some chores around the house. You know, I'm, I'm new to school, so I have my books. I, I drew. I was drew as a kid, so I was, you know, the books were out, the pencils were out. The, um, there was actually a party that night at my new school, a football or some event that they were inviting me to. And um, 
called my mom. You know, we didn't have a ride, and the phone where we, the, where we lived, our our, uh, our our telephone wasn't a, a landline. It was the local public uh, phone in front of a restaurant that was right there. And I learned as a kid that. Uh, I don't know about all phones, but this specific phone, if you dial that number that was listed on the phone, it would ring. Yeah, that is so, so, I would, so 90s right there. I like, would give people my, that number. It's yeah. like, hey, th- th- oh, what's your number? I would give them the damn pay phone number, right? Yeah. So, cool as hell, you know, right? yeah. it's, it's a trip, dude. Let's get That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was, that was my jam, you know? So like, you know, yeah. you know things were rough, you know? So that was just what we get. So, and uh, at this time, real quick, at this time, were the laws passed where officers are not allowed to interrogate a child without the supervision or an adult being around, being that if the child doesn't have the direct mother or father there, Department of Children and Family Services sends out an emergency social worker to sit in with the child? You know, I'm not sure if the laws were in place. I wouldn't say no, mm-hmm. but I think by practice, I, it was an expectation that I had. Mm-hmm. So I think I was, I mean, looking back now, I think I was expecting my father to show up and say, you know, I'm, I'm here Let's talk now, right? So that they bypassed that for me. Case dismissed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I wish it was that yeah. easy. You know? yeah. Don't we all? So, you know, so I, I make some I'm home and this is kind of my space here and and uh um ask my mom, Hey mom, like, you know, can I borrow your car? Because, you know, I want to go, you know, there's this party, right? And uh, she was kind of back in my life. She was living in East Los Angeles. And she's like, oh, let me go see. And, you know, it's and making some noise. So call me back in a few minutes. And so I called her back. And like, oh, let me call. I'm sorry. But, you know, it's it's not working right or whatever. So cool. I just stayed at the pad. Uh, Pop showed up from work. We had dinner and then went to bed. The next day I went to work with my dad. Very, like, easily remember, you know, easy to remember. And so told him what I'm telling you. And they're just like, no, that's, that's not what happened. There was, we have a boy of a witness. And say, boy, we have a witness that... Uh, will testify that you shot the gun. Out of, it was a drive-by shooting that you shot the gun out of his moving car, and he places you at the si- at the scene of the crime. And so basically, we got you. And then they went into this like attitude about like just tell us you did it. Uh, we, we know the judge will try to get you like a good deal, but like basically like give it up. You know Whoa. the whole oh. script. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about deals, and it's been 15 minutes. At least <laughs> yeah. take me out on a date for you trying to <laughs> fuck me. <dude>. I mean, <laughs> sheesh. Yeah. They, 10, 15 minutes, and we already talking about deals yeah. and how we going to do this. That's, that's, and you're only, what, 16? 16 years old, yeah. And they're doing it, letting you uh, marinate in the room for hours and then come in. Are they doing that whole? You know, you know right, I, I wish I wish that I had that, you know. I, I, I think what I was envisioning looking back, it, maybe it didn't happen when I was, while it was happening, but I envisioned, you know, you watch enough TV, you watch enough, you know, mad magazines or whatever you, you know, you, whatever you get your information from. They got the light. They got the the dude coming in and, you know, punching you up a little bit. And he walks out and they kind of, they starve you for a while. No, yeah. no whatever. Right. Um, again, it was just like conveyor belt. That one initial one. Now this one. Now let's get him in the car and drive him to Los Padrinos Juvenile Hall. Dang. Mm. Like we just... We got him. Let's just go. And what are you thinking on this ride to, to LP? I mean, what's going through your mind? Like, you know, it's it's so bizarre, man. But I remember very vividly this this attitude that I that I naturally adopted on the spot, which was like, I'll be there for three days. I'll be there for whatever. I don't know a day. I was. It was like. Oh, this is like all like will yeah. be any any day now. Just be like it would be a cool story. It'd be a cool story to tell my friends back in high school. You know, 
and this this the, this very like bravado attitude dude of like like i was like i was like awake in a dream and i was aware of it like it was like such a bizarre kind of out of body experience yeah yeah you i know? was waiting on that moment with you because i'm like when is it gonna come you know some dudes get shot they turn into Tupac. I'm untouchable. Like, you know, right. I got shot five times. 50 Cent, I'm, I'm me against the world. I don't care about nobody. I've been shot. Yeah, so I'm like, he's been stabbed you. 10 times. He's been so humble and just cool about it. I'm like, all right, all right. And when is it, when is this, you know, that yeah. that side going to come out? Like, and it happened in this part of the chat. I was like, that's, yeah. that's cold. Like, yeah. Is you know that ride to LP. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the whole back there of the car. Are. They stopped right there by the burger joint. Believe it or not, they went to the donut shop and no, told yeah, me, yeah. next time we got you. Yeah. You know, next time we'll, we'll give you a donut. <laughs> yeah. And then riding around the corner past the golf course, mm. making that right turn, pulling up into the R and R, going into the holding tank, then sitting in there taking that cold ass shower, and then off the ENF, and then with the boys. Like yeah. it's just yeah. A week later, two months, reality strikes. You ain't going nowhere for a long time. Yeah. But and and but I, the hard part to imagine is he's innocent. Yeah, you didn't do nothing. Like, like I told this. him, we're 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 guilty. We take accountability and we're responsible for that. But I couldn't even imagine. Like, yeah, bro. You know what's the 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 ride the ride. Um, you know, same the the, the initial investigator, the uh, deputy Gorin, who became like a commander, like high ranking sheriff dep, uh, sheriff in the sheriff's department. But I remember he was the guy who drove me. It was just, it was just, uh, you know, he was driving. I was in the back seat, and we're on, uh, we're on from Bullis. We hit Imperial, and we're heading towards that side of the riverbed <laughs> that I talked about. And I remember we were like on some traffic, some like you know, standard you know, morning traffic, and there was a family to the left of us, and they were like in like an old van, and you see everybody. There was like the mom, the dad. The, like the older daughter, the kids, and they were all looking at me. And I remember looking over at them like, hey, kind of like, you know, I, I couldn't wave, but I was just like smiling, yeah. you know, like yeah. whatever. And I remember the mom and dad were like just staring at me. And then the kids were just like, they, they, weren't, they weren't really sure what to do with me, but the mom and dad were like really just like staring at me. And I felt, I remember feeling like really bizarre, like, you know, these people who I don't even know who they are, are witnessing this moment like no one else i was by myself dude but there's some strangers right now who are getting a sneak preview about my my this injustice you know and so um all these years later that moment is imprinted in your head in your memory that's that's a true you know because it's 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 bizarre i've never really thought about it before but it's it's like (sighs) like you saw it at the beginning of this trauma like of what's being done to me like somebody observed this happening like some, I mean, they didn't know the, anything about me or the circumstances, but they they saw me. They, it was like the last time I was seen on the outside, almost. You know, wow. Effect that they had an effect on you. You had an effect on them. Right. You had an effect on them because their kids are in the car and they're looking at you, and it's like I'm looking at my kid. What is my kid doing in the car? Mm. And then the look of the kids looking at you in a state of confusion only shows. The parallels. Yeah. A kid looking back at him in a state of confusion. I don't know what the hell is going on. They don't know what's going on, but the parents know something right about this. You know what I'm saying? They say, oh, they're they're like, yeah, they're they don't, well. they don't look been, right. Yeah. Why is that kid in that car? Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't look right. Where are his, where are his parents? Mm-hmm. What's going? They naturally want to know. It's only what 
you know, people, yeah, humans, yeah. a parent. It's interesting, yeah. And thanks for asking me that question, guys, because I, it it was it was the last family to to observe me as a as a free kid. I think what happens after that and what happened to my story was that the cops start saying stuff like get a good look and, you know, like Those you'll never be out, you know, yeah. like all that stuff about, you know, you know, enjoy, enjoy it while you can before we get there. And so all that noise. And so, so it's, it's sinking in at this point, like, damn, Not I think it's sunk in the moment they, they, okay. they, I opened the door, you know, and let them in, you know, yeah. um, but I, I, th- I think I was still, I mean, I'm very naive, you know, like, because I should be, because I'm 16 years old. I got 16 birthdays under my belt, but am I rocking like a 12-year-old mentality? More than likely. Sure. 13, maybe max. Emotionally, uh, whatever number, you know, <laughs> pick a number, right? Definitely in no kind of like emotional state to prepare yourself for a murder trial that you had no, absolutely nothing to do with. For, exactly. You and know. then that whole just, I mean, at the time, I, I guess I would consider myself like a hardened gang member at the time that I was arrested. And that still weighs heavy, you know, on, on a person. Nobody's prepared for that, that age, no matter what kind of mask you're wearing or bravado you're, you're promoting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and even with just looking at you from my observation, it never heals. Right. Because no matter what we do, every time we get in here, we tell our story or we go on a podcast or people ask us stuff about prison or anything, or just, you see a kid going through something, it rips that scab off. Oh, yeah. It never calluses for us. That shit never calluses. It's there. It's permanently there. And it's like the only people that can understand is the person that's experienced it. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are the only people that will ever understand the mind state of a person that's sat in there and mm-hmm. had those, those, those shackles put on. Mm-hmm. For you, I myself, when I got arrested, all right, I was a prisoner. But for you... You were captured, and they put you in bondage. They mm-hmm. enslaved you. I mean, we were enslaved to a certain extent, but you were just you were just being a person, living your mm-hmm. life, and they came around, and they're like, all right, you know, as my uncle would say, the paddy wagon. And they said, all right, him, scapegoat, put him in the back, and let's go. Like, what? What? That's... Yeah. What, yeah. What? You know, I, I wish... Um yeah, no, I mean it's 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 uh, it's it's the reality, right? Like you're you're trying to go through the motions, and you know I I think what I did because it's it's what I was supposed to do is that you you default into youth mode, and you're looking at the adults like okay, well, do the right do I, thing. Where do I go now? <laughs> oh, oh, okay, I'm here now. Okay, you over here, shower, get some clothes. You have a little interview by a probation officer, and then you go over to A and B, and then you go. So you, you're you're. You, there is no agency it's over like you're just now following instructions and then that moves into the court space and the lawyer shows up and so you're just kind of backseat going through the motions right yeah wow you know so i was really i was really banking on i was really banking on uh whatever they had legal whatever legal case they had against me that the first time I saw a judge, it would be it would be cleared up, you know, not insuffi- insufficient evidence or someone says, oh, we made a mistake or something. I mean, it's very fantasy thinking. Right. But that's all I had, because I'm thinking from my end, um, you know, like I like I think about I'll say it this way and then I'll, I'll keep pushing the story. When, when you know you didn't do something you've been accused of. 
I think I'm, I'm not sure if that, as a youth, your sister, someone said something that yeah. was like almost like I didn't do that. You know, it's just this weird, like very powerless position. That's a good word, powerless. Yeah, you. Yeah. And when, when, but when the adults are narrating that, and you're thinking like, who, who, where's a, where's a, where's a complaint box for this? There, there is like you're thinking the court, the court will figure it out. Like this is where it gets aired and you hear evidence or whatever. But I was just thinking they're just going to realize that they just got the wrong guy. I was just thinking you got the wrong guy. That's all how the machine got to that point. Um, was, 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 I was just like, you know, just, I don't know. It just, I just know it wasn't me. That's all. That's all mine. That's all I got. So you go through your arraignment. Um, did they try you as an adult? I was. So I was, I went through, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I have a, a good friend now, um, uh, uh, Peter Spinoza, who was a juvenile judge at the time. So I went to the local LP court and I was bound over to Superior Court. Okay. And, um, you know, tried as an adult, went through the motions there, and then I was now facing adult court. So I went from LP to Central Juvenile Hall where they had the high risk, uh, offender high risk offenders. Charles. Where were you, KL or Eminent? Eminent. Okay. So yeah. what, was, what was interesting was that, that initial, the initial charge, that shooting in Compton, the other crime I didn't do, that that one was my my arresting uh, case, so I was I was officially uh, in jail for the shooting in Compton, and then the other one was like, you got to keep flip, flipping some pages to get to that. You know, okay. uh, commitment offense. Exactly. That was what they committed you for, and then the murder is what they bound you. Right. Yeah. Right. So whatever they looked at, that was the first thing that came up. This, okay. Whatever it was, um, whatever number it was, but it was like a, a shooting. And so now I'm, I'm in I'm in uh, I'm in uh, Central Juvenile Hall. You know, and um, everybody yeah. hates Central. <laughs> everybody hates Central. <laughs> yeah, I was in Kale too, so I, I remember Eminem upstairs. Man. Central was was so trippy, man. Like, I don't know, it was like this cruel joke. But the day I went to court, where I thought again, like, okay, there's a judge, and there'll be somebody that's gonna like, you know, realize they got the wrong guy. There happened to be a kid with the same first and last name as me who was going to court that day. And I remember they called, they, they called for, I thought it was me, but they were talking, uh, calling for him. And he was a little skinny little kid, man, like 10 years old or something, like super short, skinny kid. And um, I thought it was kind of bizarre. Like there's two of us, two Frankie Carrillos yeah, right here, wow. right now, right? Yeah, it's here. And apparently he was released. Like they said, okay, go back to your mom, or whatever, to your family. And they came to my door, dude, that night. Because they thought they thought I was the uh, the guy who was supposed to be released. Dang, is it? <laughs> it's just like I thought, like just, a, yeah, stab like a couple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just You really like right now that hurt. Like right, yeah. you just came to my door. Just why are you playing with me like this, exactly. man? What the finally, hell? Like, finally, they figured like, it out. Oh, yeah, maybe, that, kinda, maybe it, that hurt my spine right yeah. there. Like, <laughs> ah, you bad. That's, you know what I thought was that what I heard in court, like being bailed over. I thought that like I misunderstood that. Because I wasn't aware, like all the, you know, you know, all the language in court. Yeah, of course. I said, not. oh, maybe they meant like release, you know? Because now they're talking about like, okay, get your little whatever ziplock, whatever I had. I don't know what I had, right? Yeah. Or nothing. Just yeah. you're out. And then like I'm walking, maybe I don't know where I was walking to, and they said, no, no, no that's the wrong one. I'm like, damn. They opened the door. 
see when you open the door, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother level of excitement. Like <laughs> the light at the end of the tumble, I'm right there. I mean, I'm just playing with you, bro. Go ahead, go back home. Yeah. You grab your Bible, your toothbrush, and you're like yeah. Sports <laughs> Illustrated. You're like, you're God. You know, like, so what? like talk about like here's this little boy with this fantasy of like they'll you know they'll they'll realize you got the, they made a mistake, and then that kind of plays itself out, and then they say no, actually we, it you know it's not you, that was the other guy. Like, oh, shit, you know, so yeah, that's terrible. So the next that's morning, terrible. dude, I'm on my way to Central and so show up there to m uh, you know. Wow. And um, you go to your arraignment and you're in adult court. Exactly. And yeah. is the evidence still this one person that like. Yeah. So the story, the story that well, the, the, the case against Frankie Carrillo at the time was a lone eyewitness who said that he saw me shoot the gun out of this car. And. Apparently, back then, even now, you're not supposed to arrest anybody based on just a, a lone eyewitness. You right. need corroborated information. You need a gun. You need another witness. You need <laughs> something, right? Someone, that the girlfriend saying, yeah, yeah, it was him. I don't know. Credibility. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so um, we show up to the, the prelim, and he walks in. Scotty Turner walks in with his big bomber uh, Raiders you know, long coat. I don't know. I guess it was cold out. And you don't know him at all. I've never seen him before in my life. Okay. And he walks in and he starts testifying about what you know, what his script, right? He starts saying, "Yeah, I was there when, this sh- when Donald Sharpie was shot, and that's the guy who did it." And um, apparently, the the DA at the time who was prosecuting me, Marianne Escalante, she she told the detective, one of these cowboy guys, like, "Hey, like this is not going to work. This might work for right now." Yeah. But if this isn't going to trial or whatever, we need we need more. And so the story at the core of this is Donald Sharpie has been murdered. But there was actually six witnesses at the at the at the scene of the crime. But they're only using one. So they went back and interviewed all the other five boys. And then they all apparently said, yeah, yep, Frankie did it. Frankie did it six months after the crime. So we're now talking about six months after the incident the boys are being shown photographs for the first time. Six-pack, right? Six-pack, six yeah. Pack. So they're showing a, a, a photographic uh, lineup six-pack. And as much as they, they try to, like, you know, delay it or say, oh, maybe it was one or five or three or two, what it, they all think said it was one. Everyone said it was one, which was my photograph. And so that's a, that, I mean, that's a whole other conversation about coercion. Which sure. later, yeah. Are you sure it was... Him, yeah, you know when they get into doing all that, and exactly, wow. So now they got. So now at this point, now they've strengthened their case by by you know six. So now they got instead of one, they have six now uh, eyewitness testimonies who are who are you know will, will come to court and testify that they saw me shoot the gun. So even with the the probable cause, he has no cause to do this or any of that. There was no, they just eliminated, ruled that out, like. I don't think they were even worried about that part. They were just like, hey, we... We, um, we got us one, basically. Basically, Did, did yeah. the district attorney like try to use the gang component, like paint the whole... You know, at the time, there wasn't no gang injunction, in, injunctions or gang... Allega- Maybe there was allegations, but they weren't used as like uh, enhancements. Right. But at the time, the, the local Crip gang, the neighborhood uh, NHC, neighborhood Crips in Linwood, were feuding with the local Latino gang or Mexican gang, uh, Young Crowd. Okay. And Atlantic Boulevard sort of separated these two turfs. And there was a time where they were really close, or they, at least they, they were f- 
peaceful, friendly. And then they came into this this uh, this feud. Okay. I believe my study in 94, 95, Operation Safe Streets is when they actually came with a real gang push. And that's when they came in with the gang enhancements. But on top of that, um, if I'm not mistaken, Clinton, they really were cracking down. And that's when, if you're now a gang member, you are now a terrorist came into it. So they changed it and just were just hard on it. So you... It ain't like you you pass that up. It's like yeah. shit. You just right. It doesn't make any sense. And yeah. was this yeah, the time I when that super brain. predator term was being coined? I think or it was. was. I mean, maybe it might have predated this, but it was definitely used like sort of in between the '94 okay. and uh, the crime bill, youth crime bill. I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I was arrested, but it was definitely you know again it was it was uh, maybe the 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 peak of just like heavy heavy crime murders in L.A. Um, and it probably got higher and higher as time went on, but it was definitely, you know, I'm sure the DA and law enforcement were like super busy with like solving crimes or whatever. For sure, right? so, especially in that area. Did you have a lawyer or a... Dis- you know, uh, I, I, had a, I had a state-appointed attorney. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't have a so private attorney. And your defense was, uh, like, I wasn't there. This is my alibi. This is where I was. You know, my, my defense was um, I went to school that day, gave him the, bu- the bus route. I took two or three buses to get there and three back. Um, you know, came, came home and, um, you know, cause you know, so for the last seven years of my life, it was just men. It was my father, myself, and my little brother. And so, you know, you did your own laundry, you you had to clean the bathroom, you mopped, you know, you prepped dinner, like you're just doing stuff that were like not gender uh, appropriate for boys. Like typically, you know, it is what it is, but at the time, maybe even now, you know, that was maybe more for like the mom or the sisters to do that, okay. like like housework, whatever. Right. Yeah, but in my you. case, that's just what we knew as a norm. And so when I said, yeah, when I came home from school, maybe I had to fold clothes, whatever chores were like I had to do. Right. I just did them. And then the day, you know, proceeded and I just gave my I just ran it down. Right. Just what happened. And um, if it was if it was going to be an alibi, it was like the weakest one ever. Right. There was like no one, no no one came over. There yeah, you was weren't no, at the Dodger game, and like yeah, none yeah, of that, yeah, exactly, yeah. none of that. Okay. You know? What is the state of your mental health at this moment? So we're we're now what we're uh, right now. You're, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> you're looking I'm damn good, good to me, man. <laughs> at, at that uh, the state of your mental health going through court, you probably had to be three court days, four court days in by now. Yeah. And what is, is this? You're a child. And I don't know if people have been to Central. Right. Central, especially back there in that, that box, that solitary mm-hmm. confinement they got back there where it's hot, it's just you, it's grates on the doors. People don't know what it's like being, dudes can't use the bathroom, so they're pissing out the window, they're pooping over here, the ants, the bugs, the roaches, the fights, the food. What is your state of mental health in those moments? And on top of that, I'm going to court for murder. Mm. You know, I, I got to say, you know, and I've never said this before, but I, I will say that Central was really, um, it kind of mirrored Linwood in some, in many ways. So there were some guys who were, who I grew up with who were there in that same unit, or at least in, in that, in those, those two units, Eminem and KL. And I remember like, man, my jam, like, I was never a professional fighter, but I, I, I had, I was part of the local boxing club and street fighting was my thing. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm in my environment. Like this is, I mean, somebody wants to run up, like 
you know, this is, this was not, I wasn't, this was not, um, that environment didn't scare me. Because that's, you know, that's what people did. They're just, if they're going to get into any altercation, it was just fist fighting. Yeah, so that, that kind of goes back to the yeah. school to prison pipeline. It you does, have no problem you know? acclimating to your, your, your circumstances or where you're at because it's where you've been. Exactly. That's exactly. a horrible thing for a child to have to go through. Yeah, you know, I, I never, that's natural to you. Yeah, like, like, you but know. I never really, I never connected the dots, and I really appreciate you guys doing that because I, I it, it, there was some familiarity to this space here. Um, it had, it did have a school dynamic. You know, these probation officers were like counselors at the time. They were, you know, the regular jeans or yeah. whatever shirts they were wearing. So they were just like just free people, and the environment was a lot different right, than it is today. But I remember acclimating fairly easy because it was, you know, um, I, I think the probation staff sort of like welcomed a, a more of a, like a, an example would be is that um, when I was there at, 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 in M&N on the M side, every night we would come out with like a robe, like a little robe that was like a dress, like a little, like a... Yeah, the way you slipped over your head. You slipped over, yeah. like, like, it's like, like from like an orphanage or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Like a moo-moo? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. <laughs> That's you crazy. Wore, you wore like a little, like a dress, dude. That yeah. was down to like past your knees, you yeah, know? Yeah, all the way like your ankles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all the way your ankles, you too, rock, yeah. You were rocking, you know, all the little gang dudes, whatever, was, was rocking the, the little dress, dude. Trying to be hard with a moo-moo. Yeah. It's <laughs> not easy. The struggle is... Yeah. That's... Yeah, you took me back. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Bougain. I used to have a brown one. Like I thought I was, you know, I look like a monk or something. You know, like, my, 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 that's so funny. My, my nine-year-old recently asked me if I ever wore a dress. And I, I'm like, what are you talking about, right? So now I had to go back and say, yeah, yeah actually, technically, yeah. Actually, yeah. I did. There was that one time. <laughs> I have had a safety smock on before. But what happened is that you would, everyone, you know, get into the, like, PJs, right? It's yeah. PJ time. Yeah. And you come out to the day room, and they literally gave you milk and cookies every night. Yeah, they did the same thing with us. And you know, and it was, I don't know if the TV was on or maybe some music was playing, but like th that's what was kind of happening, right? And it seemed, you know, it's, it's, it's boys being boys and um, th there's a routine. So you jump into the routine right. and you're busy and you're going to school and you're writing letters and, you know. Now it just seems weird as hell. To me, it's just, yeah, yeah milk and yeah. cookies. Like, <laughs> just, right. In, in your dress. Come over here and get these milk and cookies, fellas. Like, like we just But it was still was like a it was a dangerous environment. Like right, they're still right. like Yeah, it's, it's 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 just growing up being institutionalized and getting there, I acclimated the same way, probably even better than you did. Mm. Because I was used to locked doors, you know, in group yeah. homes, they put the locks on the refrigerator and there was yeah. no food yeah. after six. They locked the fridge, you couldn't get any type of food, so Seeing that, and then it's just the dating. It goes to the the date. None of that stuff was changed. Mm. So from the '90s all the way to 2000. When did you when when did you go in? Uh, '94. So '90s, 2005. Nothing has changed. They still get the milk and cookies. They still, you know, basically dress the same. They still do the same thing, and it goes to show like. This shit ain't working. Mm. You know that that really just goes to show it's not working. You know what's going on here? Like, are we are we changing the psyche of these children? Mm. Are we helping them change the psyche of the children? Are we further feeding them into the machine? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, damn, it's, it really it hurts me just hearing that. Like, man, yeah, like, hold man. on. Because you don't really see the time pass. Like, it's, hold on. Are we good, crew? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble for that. But yeah. um, it just goes to show the time. Like, wow. Like, it, it's never really got away from these, these, I don't even know who thought of that. I would like to ask. Mm. A lot of times I want to ask Bob Barker because I seen Bob Barker on everything. Bob Barker shoes, <laughs> Bob Barker beds, right. Bob Barker toothbrush. I didn't really so that's yeah. and it, it there's no way for people to recognize the change if you have people who've never been in that process or gone through it. Mm-hmm. Like me and Brian, we've been telling it. I talked to Ray. Ray, I'll call Ray about seven, nine o'clock at night. And I'm going <laughs> a straight rant. Yeah, yeah. I will go absolutely bananas. <laughs> this, 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 this. I don't know how this got this, 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 this. How do you expect to do this if they don't have these people here? And it's, it's like you're emotionally involved mm-hmm. because this is life. Yep. You know, yep. this is this is life. You're seeing children. We're talking either it's adults or kids, women. No matter what it is, it's still life, yep. and you've seen it. So it affects you differently. And they're like, oh, you get too emotionally attached. No, you're just not emotionally attached enough to this. Because mm. it's all fun and games until it's your kid, your husband, your wife. It's all fun and games until we have to personalize something in an aspect of it's directly affecting me. Mm. All right, that's, that's, you know, that's little Bobby and them down the street. That's their kid. I told y'all don't be like him. You know, you know F him, but it ain't my kid. But when it's your kid and you go in there and you see your neighbor's from across the street, visiting their kid, mm. now we become tight, just mm. like at a funeral. Mm. Only time you see people come together nowadays and a show of solidarity is when somebody dies mm. and that emotion comes out. If it's a party of people flossing and showing how much stuff they got, it's lower levels. But when it's a, a, a joined and, you know, struggle or pain, we can all relate to that. Mm. You know, that's, that's... Yeah, you're definitely right. So they, they need people like you. They have to have yeah, that. Yeah, without people like you, it's, it's not going to work. It's going to backfire. It's going to blow up. You know what? I, I will say the the you know we're going you know before and after stuff, but going back to the to the before stuff. You know, I've I've always been a very optimistic kid, even under these circumstances, and I I can remember because it's just what was happening back then that, uh, you know, I can remember uh, probation officers. Maybe they, maybe they even had a different name, but you know the people who were there, the adults basically, who were like instilling values and like giving you advice, and just being examples about you know adulthood or whatever, right? And I remember a lot of times uh, in my as life went on afterwards that I would reflect back on those moments in juvenile hall where these folks did what they were supposed to do. They were working for the probation department. They were there were adults interacting with youth. And they were just, you know, doing what adults did, you know, which is lead by example. Uh, in most cases, uh, drop some some gems, say something. You know, I remember when I when I heard that my girlfriend uh, had given birth, and uh, you know, was on the phone, and and I heard yes. that was an M and N, yeah. While you're at Central, I'm at Central when I, I get it was a April Fool's Day, so I thought they were messing with me, but <laughs> she actually had the oh, baby, you know, oh, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I'm crying, dude. And they're watching me crying. And so I went to my room or I asked if I can go down to my room. And so I did. And, and Michael Bennett, the, the probation officer, came down and just he was a dad. And he just sat there with me for like an hour, you know, mm-hmm. just like just just being in the moment. Right. And just talking about like, you know, you'll be out and don't worry. And, you, you know, I know it's hard now. Just things that you, you know, I was I was. I was um, something you would expect from an adult to do at that moment. So I'm grateful that they that they did that, you know. And so, right. 
Um, anyway, but yeah, man, it's um, you know the case the case obviously unfolded, which is at the core of this this conveyor belt here back to court, you know, and uh, we eventually went to a, a, a jury trial. The first jury trial hung, seven not guilty, five guilty. I was still in juvenile hall when that happened. But you're going to adult court. Compton Court, okay. yeah. Okay, Compton, Compton court. court, yeah. And so um, I think I was still I was still operating on my initial understanding, like, again, you know, the, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out. You know, there's more witnesses, but they'll figure it out. Was that at the time that uh, Compton was, 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 you know, Compton got the nickname, you know, Hang'em High Compton. Nobody wanted to go to Pomona? Compton, Norwalk, Long Beach, or Torrance Court. Yeah, back then <laughs> I think it was Pomona and, and Norwalk for sure. But yeah. I think Compton, you 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 know, they weren't working it that way yet. Yeah. But I'll tell you that during my first trial, what I thought was okay. Here's the moment that I've been looking for: the star witness is testifying, Scotty. He's, I don't know, he's younger than me, so he's he's on the stand. And they say, my attorney, to his credit, says, so, like, tell us again how, like, how you know Frankie was the guy who shot the gun. And he says, well, like, I know it's Frankie because we're in the same class. Like, oh, like, tell me more. Like, yeah, Frankie and I are go to Linwood High School, and he's in my geometry class or whatever he said. So you can see me kind of perking up, like, you know, already thinking, oh, my God, dude, like, the case is over, right? Here's a star witness placing me in a school I've, I've never attended okay yeah. and so so he's like well well what else what else do you know about frankie where else have you how, how you know give me more about how you're sure it was him he says well i know it's him because one day after school my homeboy peanut fucked him up like flat out and people are chuckling the jury's like yeah, laughing yeah. right and and then my attorney says like, you know do you mean you know he got in the fight you know he's trying to help him and he's like yeah yeah they were fighting and the fight got so bad that, you know, after school, a bunch of people were watching. I was one of the people watching Frankie get beat up. And it got to the point where Peanut tore Frankie's shirt off and it exposed a big tattoo on his chest. He had a big YC on his chest. And so the guy who shot Donald Sarpy is the guy who goes to Linwood High School, who's in my class, and who Peanut beat up. It's all the same guy. And who has the tattoo on Tattoos. his chest. Right. So I'm, I'm basically jumping on my seat at this point. I'm thinking, oh, my God, man, just someone, I'm, it's going to be embarrassing. I might be a little, you know, shy and, you know, I might want to fight it. But will please somebody ask me to take my shirt off to expose my bare little pigeon chest with no tattoos. Yeah, my, my bird's nest <laughs> chest. Yeah, yeah. Get that thing open yeah. right there in the courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> Get, hold me in contempt. Yeah. <laughs> It's, but no one did. My attorney like missed the moment, man. Oh, and dump so, truck. So you never showed dude. your chest? I never showed my chest. Dump truck. You know, so, you know, he came back and I said, hey, like one, never, you know, we weren't talking. So he didn't know what, what, what the hell to do next. I never went to Linwood High School. Don't have any tattoos. Don't know Peanut. This whole story about geometry. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm still rocking like multiplications, dude. I've been, I'm behind in school, you know, like I'm yeah. not there yet. And uh, that's as far as it went. So re regardless of all that, it was a hung jury. And so, um, so of course, the DA has a chance to, you know, try me again. And so she does. And so now I'm facing my second jury trial. And obviously it, didn't, it ended with a conviction. 
What was what was trippy about the first and second trial? And I'm going back to, to Central Juvenile Hall is that I was about to turn uh, 18 years old. So I'm in Central. I'm 17. First trial wraps up, hung jury. So that was like a, a like a waiting period. Like you know what's what's going to happen next. So I'm in Central. They're filming American Me at the time, and. Um, you know, go to the premiere. A lot of stuff is happening. A lot of like, movements are happening within the juvenile hall. And one of the things that wasn't supposed to happen on top of everything else happens, which is that I've always had sinus problems as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so I would see the local doctor. You go to unit R and then you go back to the back and they they see you and, you know, you go back to your unit. And so one day I go to unit R because I had an appointment Mm-hmm. And I get there, and there's a bunch of camp guys who are there, like waiting. They just arrived to, from camps, or they're in transition. So they, you know, so they said you go in and you check in with the desk, big, tall, kind of wooden desk, and you say they have a the, the book is out, and they they know you're they're waiting for you. Yeah, you tell them what unit you're in, what your name is, and why you're there. So I did, you know, MNN Carrillo. I'm here to see the doctor. So the guy says, Mr. Jones says, okay, have a seat. Jones? <laughs> Jones. He says he says no talking. You know, like, cool. Like, you know, I've been there it's almost almost two years there, so I get it, you know. So I sit down and uh TV's on and everyone's listening to the TV and no one's talking. And I see the dude come out of his chair out of like this kind of tall desk and he comes around and in that big day room there's like lockers in the back. So I'm thinking, oh he just you know, he's kinda coming my way. I'm thinking, you know, be respectful, move my feet back up, you know, from they were kind of stretched out. And when I did, he just came right at me. And he must have been about, you know, Mr. Jones must have been about easy 300, big, big black man. And he just like with both arms just dove at me neck shot and just started choking me out. And at this point, he's kind of like big guys choking me and then all his weight is pinned. So they have like these sort of bizarre like benches, like a two-part bench. So the I was too small for the bench, but my head was like hot on the on the back of it. So pin pin in the back, dude's choking me out. And I, I think for the first few seconds I tried to push him off or kick or something, but that was it. Um, I think I, I passed out. And so he must have stopped, but I thought I was dead or you know, I passed out, so he probably panicked, and I, I I woke up. What the hell was that about? I don't know, dude. He just... It was a staff member, too? Yeah. Crazy. I know a big, giant-ass, crazy Mr. Jones that worked in there, and he had a thing. He had no problem putting his hands on kids Damn. at all. Like, that was know, par for the course back then, though. They, they were they were rough back then. Yeah, like, bro, but, you know, from what I heard... That was extreme. It, <laughs> it, was, it was extreme, and yeah. what I heard was that... I think he knew the man who was murdered. So it was like uh, some vigilante stuff, right? Because it was just like... An emotional, like you could, yeah. There was 50 of us in that day room. We're like, why, why go out of the way? If you just felt like, yeah. oh, I want to just attack somebody right now. Why me? You know, so, so... But what happened afterwards that, you know, I couldn't even breathe, man. My neck was all fucked up, right? And um, there was like a, a movement. They said, okay, anybody from Eminem, KNL, like, go, you know? Yeah. And so I wasn't... I'm trying to get back. I mean, like... The doctor's appointment is over. Like, I yeah, am not, yeah, like that's, yeah, I'm out of here, right? So they put me in line, and they're getting me back to the unit. And when I get there, they would strip you down. So you walk in, and they put you along the wall, and they take your shoes off, and maybe pat you down, whatever. 
And they're like, what happened? And I'm like, I can't, I can't even talk, dude. And they're like, like, did you get in the fight? You know, the staff who were, who knew me in the unit. And so they just by default just called unit R and guess who answers? Mr. Jones. Hey, you know, I, I assume this is what happened in the office. Hey, Carrillo's back in the unit. Yeah. He's all, he's all beat up, whatever. Like, yeah. was, was he in a fight? And so cat's out the bag, dude. I don't know if he said what he did, but they, the, you know, some administrators came and got me and took me back to the crime, the scene of the crime to unit R and they handed me uh, a dictionary, a pencil and like a writing tablet. And they put me in a, a small little closet room with a desk and they said, okay, write what happened. You know, tell us like, you know, write a, basically a statement. And so I did, I, I wrote whatever I wrote, you know, but I'm telling you, I'm in the day room, going to the doctor, and then I don't know where this dude, you know, Mr. Jones attacks me. And it's another, for me, it's like another one of these moments, like, like what, what the hell is going on, man? Damn. Like, I'm already here. Just one thing on top of like, the next. It was like, just like, it, I never what, knew this, like, that part, like. At what point do you switch? Does that, that, that switch flip and you're like, all right, you know what I'm saying? That's, because me, it only takes so much poking me before I'm like, all right, now, I'm going to get you before you get me now. I'm yeah. not going to play any games, none of this type of stuff. And that that would have broke some dudes in a manner of, all right, now I have to, Yeah, but I'm you know violent what, now. Well, you know, actually actually, what happened after that, man, was was I'm seeming surprised at myself of what went down. So I'm now going to the doctor, not for my sinuses, but for my damn throat, you know, for the attack. Crush some stuff. Yeah, in there. dude, you know, so um, I, get, I get back to Unit R, and it's obviously a different staff member now taking my name down. And um, they eventually call me to go back down this hallway to see the doctor. And I get there, and there's like another little waiting room. And I'm in there, and I look across the way, and there he is, Mr. Jones. He's sitting down at a, like a teacher's desk, and then there's like a little chair next to the, you know, that desk. And he's, he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And I don't know what you guys would have done, but... What I did was I kind of flagged him. I'm like, you, like, hey, you see me? And he's like, yeah, I see you. And I said, like, I pointed at the little table, the little chair that was next to that table. And I said, like, you know, can I, can I go? Can I go there, basically? And he's like, yeah, 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 come here, come here, you know? And so I went and I sat down next to, the, next to him. And the dude just starts apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I... I whatever voice box was still sort of remained at the time before it healed. I just said like, you know what? I, I, I forgive you. You know, like, you know, like I accept your apology basically. Way better man than me. Dang. Dude, it was just Way, like, man, I'd have been, man, I'd have been on his ass like flies on shit. Wow. You know, like, did he ever I, explain why or, you know, I've never, I don't think I've, I've shared that story publicly, man, because you no, know, it's, it's a, it's a tragedy. And I focus on what he did to me, but what I did in return was like forgive the dude for what happened. That's you know? huge. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, he he was crying. I was we were both crying, obviously, right? It doesn't. Right it, it doesn't take away. Don't I, toss I, I gotta, spill. It doesn't take away what happened. Oh right? yeah, he, he old school. He pulled out the hanky. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled out the hanky. It doesn't take away what happened, but I I think that. Yeah, what a moment, though, man. That's that's the because that's that's another. It's like a question I've been wanting to ask because 
I feel like I can't forgive the dude that pointed you out and said that you did. I can't forgive him. And if you could forgive him, once again, that makes you better. I can't forgive something in my heart right now. It's like, bro, I'm not finna forgive. Man, this dude went in there. Yeah. How you like, bro? Yeah, I've been having a whole conversation. Like, have with my you talked to this for the dude? Last couple of days yeah. about yeah. Like, has has the dude even reached? Has he even apologized? Yeah. But you know what's what's trippy, man, is that, and you know, the reason why you know I apologize for for tearing up, man, but yeah, it's man. a reminder about. You know, up, up to this point of the story, you know, as I'm here myself, for, you know, tell my own story, I'm reminding myself that I'm expecting everybody else to do the right thing. Yeah. The judge, the, the witnesses, the lawyers, probation staff, every, I'm, and each and every time I got to be the one to step it up. I got to put myself to bed and say, it's going to be okay. I got to be the one to create the space where this man can can semi-apologize and that we can have that moment. As the child. He can like, come to my yeah, room and say, yeah. hey, like, can, I talk to, can I talk to Carrillo? Yeah, hey, you Carrillo. initiated that where you pointed. Right. Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't looking for me. Like, I, I, I triggered that. That was just a response. And maybe I might have said it before he did, but I'm just, and, and as I can recall, that, that's just what happened. For a kid... Young man, youth, whatever, ward, to be looking outwardly and expecting people to do the right thing and to be have to self-soothe yourself, I guess. You know, it's like, it's, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Even when it gets worse and worse, it's going to be okay. Like, it, it, it's just, a, it's a terrible situation, you know, and... Um, Anyway, that's not all. Yeah. Dude, that, that's see, you look at it as a terrible situation, but the the situation shows this. It shows the innocence of a child, like the purity of, yeah. of, of despite of, all that. It's the rose that grew from the concrete. Mm -hmm. It's the innocence of a child. You can look at all the people. Like a few years ago, I, I forgave Judge Clay. I forgave. I forgave Judge Clay, and I was like, man, you know what? You know the things that happened. I still don't forgive the CO that got on the stand and said, oh, he did this and almost tried to get me life. I haven't done that yet because I'm not at that point in my life. But the innocence of a youth, of a child, compared to the corruptness of the adults around us. You don't know how many times a judge and bang that gavel, how many yeah. times a DA has done this, how many times a public defender has done this. We don't know what they have going on with the caseloads, et cetera. But at the same time, they have to be reminded there's still good people out here. Yeah, You don't have to keep going and going, oh, you do this, or we do the tit for tat and all this. When you get into the politics of it, not the politics, the politics of it, you know what I'm saying? You owe me this, you do this, you do that. Nah, there's a kid right there mm. still showing y'all light. Mm. You know mm. what I'm saying? And that's the blessing that you gave to him. Yeah. And then it came back to you tenfold. Yeah, man. I, um... Oh. You know, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, it appreciate you, man, for saying that, man, and, uh, and adding that to my story because it's, I, I think it's, um, you know, some of it's like self preservation or just trying to defend my own, you know, that, that boy who's still in me. Right. You know, yeah. but, um, you know, I turned 18, so. County jail? You know, and, and what, was, <laughs> what was cool, man, was that, you know, the weekend before I turned 18, my dad would, would come visit me, man. Oh, Pops was coming to see you? 
you know, dad, my pops came to see me, man, for my, for my birthday, you know, and that weekend, um, you know, all the fellas were who banging, man, everybody, you know, everybody who's there just banging. So I'm on, I'm on the, on the field side of, on the M side, room one, first door <laughs> and, uh, everybody from maybe the KL to, you know, um, we're just banging hard, dude. Cause here, and I look and it was visiting day and my dad is carrying this big pink box, you know, birthday present, you know, right. birthday, birthday cake. Yeah. yeah. Well, cake. You, know, you give a piece to everybody in the unit. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so everyone's pumped up because of the cake. They don't give a shit about my birthday. You know, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, it's yeah, their yeah. birthday. Let them tell it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. hey, you know, it comes your dad. Everyone knows my, you know, he visits. Right. So, you know, here comes this big ass cake. Right. So, um, so Pop celebrates, you know, just the cake is there and he gets a cake and every and later on everybody else gets a cake, but a slice of it. Um, soon after I'm I'm gone. You know, they, they call me day of, you know, March 6th, 19, uh, 1992. Mm. They send me over to, uh, you know, they call and say, hey, they need him in unit R. And I remember the staff members who were in that unit that I had been for a number of, almost, almost two years, I suppose. Um, there was a guy named... Um, Porter, no, not Porter. Um, I forget his name. But uh, the dude started crying, man. He was a he was a light skinned uh, African American man, and he he had some cash in his pocket. He's like, hey, man, like, take you'll need this. He gave me some money. As you're going to the county, and we're still in the unit. Oh, okay, okay. And we're still in the unit. And he's like, you know, he just it it, it it scared me more that he started crying. Like, yeah, why the oh, hell am I going? Where am I going? Yeah, I'm yeah, okay. I wanted the same thing. Just yeah. leaving the YA, going around the corner from YTS. I was feeling, I was like, the hell, what you crying for? Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you don't know what, what you crying for. Yeah. Like, I'm waiting yeah. to go over here. Shit. But it's yeah, just, dude. wow. Because I mean, that's a from, you know, juvenile They're facility. They're watching you, yeah. Yeah, into the county jail. That's, it's like you're losing somebody. You, the to the you know when the sheriffs are coming. Yeah, you hear them chains coming through that hallway. Yeah, you hear the chains clean, 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 clean. You hear the sheriffs coming. Oh, we got you hear the sheriffs at the back door, and he like, ah, it's, here comes the, yeah, here the awakening. Come. Here, here it comes. they come, you know. And so I get, I get to uh, Unit R, or whatever it is. Yeah, Unit R, I suppose. And me and some other guy, I guess it was his birthday too. So we're we're heading over to uh, <laughs> that's our that's our uh, birthday present, right? You know, m- bus ride over to the county jail, and so. You know, you get there in this hustle bustle. It's, you know, it's, you know, train station. It's a bunch of everyone's dumping, you know, bodies right there. And I'm, I'm one of the ones dumped there. And you're going through the interview and eventually the shower and the picture and everything else, you know. And so um, um, pretty yeah. cool birthday present, man. For getting lost in the sauce. Basically, you get And that's pretty, uh, especially yeah. during that time, like you went through 9,500 and all that, like. Yeah, that oh was yeah. that was that was an era right there. I you remember. Know, did you go in your jumpsuit like from juvenile hall? Because I remember being in in central booking in my orange my kale jumpsuit. It was like, the hell, are you coming from? You know? Did I have? Yeah, it was orange. Yeah. So yeah. H O. It. Uh, yep. So I was I was wearing orange, and so they they saw you know they saw that you know there's these two young boys, and then you know everyone else is wearing their their substation clothes or so whatever they're arrested with. Yeah, they're still yeah. they're still doing that. You know. Yeah. And, you can keep your shoes at the time, so whatever shoes I had, I you know that's what I wore in. Mm. Thank God it wasn't the dress. Right, exactly. Things can go terribly wrong. <laughs> so did uh, um, the trial started shortly after 
So oh, what, right. what what started the second trial? Yeah, yeah. So what happened? What happened after I got there was uh, was that the city was up in, was up in flames. So the Rodney King riots happened. Oh. So soon after my my transfer to the to the Men's Central Jail, you know, I shuffled around and I eventually was like in Wayside or somewhere. But um, riots kicked off. So you know, verdict came back, not guilty, and then here we go. Right. So you know white guys who were in the unit were being rushed and you know attacked. Oh, it, it happened inside there too oh yeah oh yeah. yeah wow yeah there was a there was a man i remember in wayside who an older white dude like a biker guy who they had wrapped in like a sheet like they like mummified him and they were trying to light him on fire and it was just oh, like not the laugh but the way the way he said wrapped up in a sheet and i immediately was like a mummy uh, hold on, like damn. Yeah, dude. No, it was, you have it to really was, think some shit out to do some shit, like, and then you got nothing but time in the county jail. Like they, like, is, I don't know if they caught him in bed and they just like wrapped him up. Like they just said, like they had strips of like sheet. And they just said, they, someone, they that somebody shit get the sheets and like let's just wrap this dude up. And they mummified him. They were trying to. I don't know if they lit him on fire or what happened, but I mean, obviously they got. Oh, him. they got the fire. Oh. I think they. I think they. They got him before they lit him on fire or something, you know. But after he probably been kicked, beat down, you know, a bunch of times, but it. Whatever was happening outside was going down on the inside too. You okay. know? And so, I never knew that. I, yeah. Makes sense though. Yeah, you yeah. know, and so um so then obviously the city's shut down, no courts, no you know, no nothing, right? So um soon after my court hearing started and you know, might have been a few months after the riots had settled, um, but it was my first day to pick a jury. And so Donald Sarpy was a, a black man. And here I am as a young Latino oh, boy. Oh yeah. So talk about talk about oh, the jury I, pool. Yeah, yeah. So the jury wow. pool is is LA County folks from whatever whatever part of the county. And you know, what you get on day one before they do anything else is they give you a little breakdown about what the case is about. Mm. So Judge Day says, you know, welcome everyone, good morning, thank you for being here, you know, that whole thing. And by the way, let me tell you about this case. If you're lucky enough to be selected, here we go, right? And so they give them the the sneak preview. And then you'll see some people say, oh, you know, I actually know the victim or work or whatever. So they start they start doing that, right? But, you know, the the, the climate, the, the the stage was yeah. not was not working for a, a, a young Mexican American boy on trial for killing a black man, no matter what was going on, you know? Right. And uh, so then the, the jury proceeded. And, um, you know, the DA really had a chance to, like, really hone the, the testimony of these boys. You know, now it's, it's rehearsals over with now. Yeah, they're like trained professionals at this point. Don't talk about the school. Yeah. No one mentioned anything about Linwood High School. No, forget the geometry class. <sighs> forget peanut. Forget the tattoo on the chest. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your time yeah. to fix it all. Just go in there and say, yes, yeah. we did it. And yeah. then start crying or whatever, you know. Dollars for you right <laughs> yeah. there for your participation. Right, right. Yeah, just say this. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Yeah, I'm leaving a bunch of stuff out. But at the end of the day, the jury came back with a guilty verdict, you know. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things I remember, you know, it was the day of the day that he got the case of the day they came back. So maybe hours later and nobody was there. Nobody was waiting there. It's too early. It might take a couple of days at least to come back with the jury yeah. uh, verdict. And so my attorney was there and I remember he was, he's like stroking my back. Like, uh, it doesn't look good. They came back too quick, but like, let's just see what happens, you know? And so sure enough, is your dad there too? Nobody was there. Just oh. empty courtroom, you know? 
and so came back with a guilty verdict. You know, oh, uh, what did they find you guilty of? They found me guilty of the murder of Donald Sarpy and attempted murder of the six witnesses who were who were witnesses slash victims as well. Wow. And the sentence was. Sentence was 30 years, 25 years to life, plus five years for the gun for Donald Sarpy's death. And then I think it was six consecutive, I'm sorry, consecutive, not concurrent life sentences for each attempted murder. So they came with the, they pulled what is, you know, legal term stacking. That's what they, they virtual death. Yeah, 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 add this, add this, add this, take this away, add this. Yeah. So especially people that, that have like, the, the cases where they have like 15 different charges, even if you went to appeal and got this out, we would have to convey the time for the other crimes, add those up, and now you still have the same sentence at the end of the day. So it's like, smack on the ass, go come back and try again. So they, they really were trying to set oh, yeah. you, well, they did. They, they set it all the way up from oh, the beginning. Yeah. So the, the idea was that at the time, and this is 90, 92, June 30th, 1992, but what, what was... I learned later on was that uh, if 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 and when they ever found me suitable for that first thirty year to life uh, sentence, the second one would kick in, and so you know, and, or then the third or whatever else, right? It just became a thing like you had to like sort of die, come back, and you still got a life sentence. Uh, yeah, I remember saying, and, yeah. and the governor at that time was who? Pete Wilson. It or? was Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you uh, let the people know out there, the the next generations and all that type of people know? Uh, can you let them know who Pete Wilson is, was, and you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, just a little brief moment right there. Brian, you you want to yeah. hit that one? Hit that yeah, I would just uh, advise you to go to YouTube and type in Pete Wilson. You get all the information. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah go he ahead. was he was originally from San Diego, Republican governor at the time. Maybe had two terms here in California, and he was a. He was a um, tough on crime type of type of uh, governor. He there was obviously no no um, you know early releases. There was no one going home that that had a life sentence. And you know he he was the guy with like Prop One Eighty Seven. That's what yeah yeah. So yeah. He, there was a lot of like um, a lot of racist undertone legislation going on. And yeah, I think the I think the Senate and I'm not sure if both houses. Assembly and Senate were were controlled by the by the Republican Party at the time. So, you know, there was a war going on. Like a lot of stuff was like heavy on, and of course, you know, the guys on the street weren't making it easy. They were, you know, right. they're you know kicking yeah. up a lot of dust and yeah. drugs and everything else was going yeah, on. Yeah. You know, but it was uh, yeah, it was it was not a. Uh, when he drew that line in the sand with Prop 187, though, that kind of would like he he played to that and it kind of backfired on him. I mean, other than Schwarzenegger, wasn't that like the last Republican we've had in California at this point? Uh, I yeah, think. I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, Davis was, I think Davis was his, his great lieutenant Davis, yeah. governor and then he became governor. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I think he was like kind of purplish, you know, because he was, he's was, he was a Democrat, but, you know, um, and then, of course, we went from there. But yeah, you know, I found out about uh, Pete Wilson. But I was going to uh, medical in R and R in Old Corcoran, and if you walk out and you go towards the steps where the ambulances are, guess what they have? A statue of him. There's a statue and a memorial for. Him. I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you don't get that out of here like one of them Confederate statues, please. Wow. Like, get him of all people. You talk about rehabilitation. You got this dude. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we yeah. see what's going Pete on. Wilson, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just had to give a little education on that. <laughs> so you're an R and R. What 
what's yeah. the mind state? Like, what, what, what happens from there? Yeah, you know, my R&R was uh, SRCC. So the youth authority was was open at the time. And Norwalk, th- that was a reception center. Yeah. <laughs> so I went, I went there for, uh, I was in YA for about f- almost five years. So went to went to the reception center, Southern California Recep- Reception Center at uh, in Norwalk. And I was uh, sent to DeWitt Nelson, mm-hmm. mm. which is in Stockton. With an M number? M number, yeah. To Stockton, too. Oh, that was a rock and a rolling. Yeah, uh. so I went, I went to, uh, to Stockton, and um, you know, I'd never been anywhere past county lines, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm traveling the world at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Great Goose, you know, we get there, and, you know, south side, north side, all the, all the dynamics of, of being in, on the inside are playing themselves out. And um, I was there for about, I was still in, in Lassen, which was like the receiving unit when they came and got me and they said, we're going you know, to basically we're gonna lock you down. And, they're, you know, so here we go again, some other drama, right? So it turns out that Scotty Turner was doing time at D. Wilt Nelson when I got there. God damn it, Scotty. <laughs> Scotty's I'm everywhere, tired man. Of Scotty, you know, Scotty's Scotty, look, Scotty, you better go sit down. <laughs> You're getting a whole lot of passes in this life, Scotty. How you pop up here? You posing after all the favors you did? Yeah, for you know, at that, you know, at that time, that point in time, you know, I'd have been politicking heavy. Scotty got to go. Scotty, yeah, Scotty. So they caught yeah. it on the paperwork. So no, no. So Scotty saw me in the chow hall and told on you. So Scotty was a KP. <laughs> and so you, you know, you you go there and you, you know, slide that like you would think of about the movies, right? Yeah. You know, give me some more potatoes or whatever, <laughs> that whole thing, right? So yeah. I didn't recognize him, but he saw me, and then then he went and told his staff, like, "Hey, like, protect me or whatever, right?" So, so they keep me. So they they just confined me to the unit. It was like these were dorm settings, and so what, a coward, what happened? Man. What happened, man, was that the Norteños were like riding with the blacks, and I guess Scotty was a crip, and um, it was it was interesting. There was a there was a black guy. Uh, Indio from like Sanjo or you know Sacra or some some Norteño hard you know stronghold, who was really very respectful. Man, I really appreciated that he did that. But he said, "Hey, like you know, I need to talk to you." And you know, some other folks came around and basically it was like, "Hey, look, there's a guy, there's a black guy who's like that, basically on our, on our team, who you know they had heard of what had happened, the and they blast. said, yeah, they said, hey, you wanna you wanna meet up." You want to meet him at the library? We'll set it up so we can get him to the library, and then you can like you know handle his you know whatever you guys want to fight or whatever, right? So I said, no, that's it's okay, man. You know the guy it was it was they wouldn't have let me out the unit anyway, but that was their way of saying like we don't want any drama here, you know? Like if you want to put f- it to bed right let's now, put it to bed. If you want yeah. to fight the guy? We'll, we'll we'll set him up for you basically. This is that Turner character. This is this is the Norteños saying about Turner. Yeah, got you, got you. you know. Turner don't even, Turner probably don't even know this. Turner probably over there. He don't hard. even know, dude. He don't yeah. even know they set up the fade. Like, look, man, yeah. no, you gonna do something? Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. So, you know, they, I I knew on my end that that um the staff, you know, I was I was locked down into the unit, so I wouldn't have gone to the library even if they. Set it up, you know. So okay. I would have been the guy who didn't show up, basically. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> you know, so you know, so uh, soon after they shipped me to YTS, so I was there for a few months, Oof. and then I get to uh, get a ride to go to YTS, and so I got there. And you say you had an M number? M number, yeah. Okay. So M number, I get to YTS, and um, you know, throughout all this, all this my life pre-arrest kind of where I'm moving there's like some bravado about me that I'm I'm kind of like 
a couple heads ahead of the game about what's going on, you know, and I'm, I'm hyper vigilant because that's just who I am. And I'm just, you know, making all the right connections and meeting people and whatever else. I didn't know this, but when I got to YTS, the dude was like, uh, oh, man, the staff member when we got to Unit R. Uh, older Rasa dude said, "Oh man, you got a nice set of hair." You know, back then you people let their hair grow. There was nobody had nobody had bald heads back it then. It was like the short, cold yeah. Back. I just yeah. I had a full set of nice hair, and the guy was just like an older dude was admiring my hair. We, okay. we were late on the late bus. He might not been typically assigned to R and R, so he was just kind of chopping it up with me. Yeah, you, you know, know. You know, we we just drove long, you know, long distance to get here and whatever else, right? Oh, right, yeah, I like your style, this and that. He says, okay, um, he says, you know, there was like a curtain behind you that flipped that's like, it's like the, the yellow one was, or like a gold one was like just GP. The red one was a uh, lifer, and maybe they had like a white one for like low custody or something, right? And he says, flip, flip your thing over to the gold, you know, for the backdrop. He didn't ask me my status, what, you know, whatever. And I just did, and he took a picture of me. So I had like a standard, like, Good old fashioned, just GP ID. Medium level, yeah. Just yeah, ready, like yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, because if the red one was like a stigma, like for some guys, maybe they were rocking, like, oh, I want the red ID because I'm a lifer. They want to brag about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just rocking just a regular ID, right? So me cutting it up with the guy sort of like set this tone because kind of what happened for the next almost, almost five years, um, four years for sure, was that, um, this was this was I needed to acclimate to this new environment here. This is where I was gonna be for a while. And then that that if like I've been to YA and we don't run across a lot of people that have been to YA. You were in YA in the, the what's that the nineties? NTS. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm talking about you got the likes of Monster Cody. Yep. You got you got like you got who who's who else running through there? Joker was in there. Yeah. All all big. these these big dudes that are like and these you got dudes that's eighteen with. 20s on the hang. Oh, That's yeah, pig. Easy. They in there throwing pig iron. Oh, they had the weights and all yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why yeah, yeah, yeah. still got weights when I was there in 2008? They, they, they never took it out because it's for kids still. But you got kids that are just ginormous. Yeah, no, so people were smoking, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, just... it was uh, again, like as, as things are developing or the stages are getting a little bit different, what was, what was familiar for me was like I knew how to maneuver that. It was back. It was back to Linwood, right. Wood, Linwood, whatever you called it, right? It was still that dynamic that I knew how to, you know, move in those waters. Did you have to like? I always say the difference between juvenile and adult. Is, like juvenile, you go there and you have to earn your respect. You have to fight and show that you're worthy. Show that you're down. Whereas in adult facilities, you go in there, it's given to immediately and it's yours to squander or keep. So like yeah. when you <laughs> when you went into um, TS, did you? Was there any like having to prove yourself? Did you have to? You know. You know, they, um, I didn't know. So what happened, what happened for me was that I had, I had sort of developed a reputation leading up to my YTS, you know, arrival. Okay. You know, dudes I was in the county jail with were there like, oh shit, this guy's here or whatever, you know, um, nothing, just other circumstances that led them to sort of hold me in high regard. I, I noticed that right away. So I just, I didn't, I didn't work, I didn't work it or, 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 uh, take advantage of it, but I just, I saw what was happening. Okay. And then you get the, the, get a look at where he's at. So out of all the YAs in California, when you hit gladiator school, that's when you big dog out of everybody. Yeah. Well, that's so it's when, yeah. even if, even if you just, you, he probably didn't even know, but once you got there, it's yeah. like, it's already like, so it was, what, what happened was trippy, man. So what I realized fairly quickly was that you would get a pass. There was, there was somebody would get a, a hold of passes, like a, like a moving pass. 
And what would happen is that typically you got a pass and they would send you to the warehouse. Um, and the warehouse was like your enemies were asking for you to come meet up with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you, so they, someone would slide you your name B and someone slides you a pass and you're like, God damn, man. It's you know, time. We got that list. 10 man, 15. versus, you know, Bassett or whatever. So oh, yeah. they, 18, 38, whatever was going on, you know, Florence, kind of the, the, the bigger groups, uh, really any group, but like dudes are in positions of, of like, Hey, open that door. Cause this guy's going to, you know, meet his maker or whatever right like yeah. his homeboys but yeah. it's really his enemies or whatever mm -hmm. right so like total setups and so they slide me a pass dude and random just you know they slide me a pass but you know and, and <laughs> but in my pace. case in my case i knew who it was my homeboys were there people who i knew okay and they had like a feast for me so it wasn't so that so then it goes into like this guy from a and b who's like this fish whatever is being pulled out to kind of party with his homeboys. So he's like one of the guys, you know? Okay. And so it was a did. So it's either, it's either like they're setting you up to, you know, beat you down or you're getting some like love. And then, then that, you know, that kind of goes ripples, you know, people just know. People okay, see that. They recognize, okay, yeah, he's part of the car. Yeah. yeah you know? Okay. And so, and so I, I realized that the environment um, was, was less about, I'm looking at the, the the shanks behind you. It was less about like violence. Yeah, it had reached the level of perfection on psychological warfare. Yes, I always say that. I always say like those situations were always uh, ninety percent mental and ten percent like physical. physical yeah. yeah, not so now you're rocking some. You're 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 now like masters, you know doctoral degree level of like interacting as like a human being you're just like it's all like mind game projecting it's energy crazy that you and, shine and, a light yeah on like it's, it's that's deep right there it gets so deep like it's like when i sit down with people like at night mm. you know I, what five o'clock in the morning i'm up doing shit because i've been programmed for so long that i can never let it go but i still have those tremors of being in why just they put you on sleep restriction not the, the cops will do it another yeah. time, but they'll put you on sleep restrictions. So you have your neighbor right here. I have beef with this dude. That's my rhyme fly. We're not even talking about the 15-man fights that they have to send you. You got to do that in the next 72 hours. Yeah. But they put you on sleep restriction. They'll take your clothes. They'll run around, send stuff under your door, dead rats. They, they do weird stuff and just to mess with you or go in a visiting room and you think certain rules are there and it'd be a full-blown riot in the visiting room. And it's, it's just, it just keeps going and going and going. If you make friends with him, I've seen men sold, like mm. sold, grown men. Look, we don't want you no more. You make our race look bad. So what we're going to do is we'll go over here to these dudes. Hey, I want this dude. Yeah, we'll take him, but what do we need him for? Ah, give me $10. He's yours. You know what that does mm. to the mind state of this this person? Now? You just got sold for ten dollars. And I always heard the stories too, like you drop your palm comb if it's not bristles oh, up, bro. and like if you touch I the went straight to prison. Bro, you touch the basketball. And don't wash your hands. You're not allowed to touch any water faucet. You're not allowed to do any of that. You there's a bucket with water, and you're like it's yeah, it's real yeah. mental games. Like it, it it's like it's weird. You know, I I think when I got to YTS, th those are more like Nellis, Paso Robles, OH clothes, Preston. Those are more like the junior the junior uh, levels. Well, TS you was know, the, TS yeah. was was a different level, man. Like TS yeah. had had some some serious players, and I'll tell you that what was. I had never been to a sort of lower level, you know, prime priming, you know, like Nellis and Whittier. 
but you see the behavior and then but you saw that like those dudes who were showing up there with that mentality like they realized that 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 was in Ellis, this is now like a white TS. It's different here. And then they play with weapons. There's a level they of maturity there, and yeah. like evolution. It like, would still play out. I mean, things would still happen yeah. on that level, but it, I think it had, I think it just advanced to another level. Yeah. If, if you were able to keep up with it, you advance to another level. Um, I remember, um, you know, there's trade line, you go to school, there's a boxing gym, there's gyms, there's, you know, working out, handball, day room, there's all these things, right? And kind of where you said, determine what group you're in and, you know, dominoes, all, all the standard stuff. But I think there was also this level of like cats who were there had had been in it since like they've been they've been foster care these kids have been in the system these are professional at this point now white ts yeah you're not just like you know you know they, they got you for you know whatever stealing the magazine from a store or something like you've been you've been through the ringer yeah, yeah you've been graduated yeah. you've graduated to this level and you're operating at a different level and then know? they just dropped you straight off there right. yeah you straight know, to the pros you know it's it's um and I, and you know, for the good or bad of it, I just I swam with them with the best of them, you know. And it and it not to, in any way, try to, you know, um, brag about it, but I just I just acclimated to my environment very very easily. The environment, the psychological part, you know, I'm still like you know, trying to make sense of why I'm even there, and there's an appeal. And yeah, were you like super invested in your appeal at that time? Are you still clinging to it? They're going to rectify this. Somebody's going to do it. They're going to see it. You know, Brian, what's, what happened, man, was that I got a, I got a letter in the mail one day, and it was a, um, um, the attorney who was assigned to my appeal. And uh, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I've been assigned. I'm your guy. You know, yeah, tell you me. Look, the way you saying it is like, it's going to drop a yeah. bullshit bomb right on tell us. Me, tell me what you think went wrong, you know, because the appeal's about not, what you wish would have happened, but what, what went wrong that you can say like a legal, you know, exactly. Was there a law violated? Yeah. Don't care about new evidence. It's like, what do you got? And so, you know, I, I wrote him back in best of my ability, point out some things that I thought were merited that he can bring up. In and effect, so, the sisters council, like all the, all the basic <laughs> stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, call this number and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, uh, sometime went by and, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of acclimating to this environment. Maybe six months later, I get, uh, this, Hey, Creo, you got legal mail. And so they go, I go to the main office and they say, um, they actually, it wasn't even, I mean, six months later, three months later. So fairly quickly. And it was a, it was a, a milk bone like dog dog food or something like it was a it was a box but it was like it was dog food basically and like you know they're making fun of me but like you know who's sending you dog food or whatever and so they opened it up and it was my transcripts and it was a letter from the lawyer saying you know mr creole sorry about you know uh you know what happened but basically you've been denied what here's a cheat sheet if you want to continue i'm returning to you uh, the, 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 the denial, I'm, I'm sending you your transcripts and here's a sheet about like what you should do next and like a roadmap basically, right? The direct appeal, the so ninth circuit. So you got denied at the Supreme. I got denied at the appellate level. The so appellate state level. appellate. Okay. And next move would be California Supreme court. Okay. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I guess, I guess it's me. I guess it's me now. Right. So what I what I and I'm looking over I'm looking over this this uh, cheat sheet 
and it said basically your next stop is the California Supreme Court. And so I borrowed someone's typewriter, you know, manual, manual typewriter. You know, I got some some white white paper from who knows where. Uh, got a dictionary, and uh, I I was able to muster up a one page response or letter to the court saying basically it was like a mayday mayday you know i put my name in there this is where i'm at you know wrongfully convicted i need your help and i felt very confident with what i had put together and i sent it out sometime goes by and i get that same hey you got legal mail over the over the intercom so i go out there and i can see the letter on the on the desk i need to sign like a log for it and I looked at them like it looks. It looked very important because it had like a old English font, you know, Supreme Court. You know, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, Justice George and all this. I'm like, wow, this is this is about to go down this right big, now, yeah. man. You know, damn. They they my name is on it too, not just their name but my name too. And so I signed for it and they open it and they, there's nothing in it. So I go back to my room and I read it, and they, there was two sheets of paper. It was it was. Um, the letters, I, I opened it up and it was basically before I can get to like the words, it said denied or it was like, obviously, like this is this is not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, back to what I do is cry. So I'm crying. And luckily for me and, and look how my brain works, man. But luckily for me, they sent me back what I had sent them, which was one page, just this one so-called appeal. Right. This mayday, mayday, like yeah. uh, you know, man down. I need help, right? Yeah, yeah. And I looked at, I looked at what I had sent them, and I was so disgusted with myself. I had mistyped my name. Um, whatever I, I thought I was trying to say didn't make any sense. There was nothing legal about this this mini paragraph that I typed together. I had never typed before, but regardless, I could have written it with my hand. It didn't matter. And I really, it really took me to a place that quickly of like, look, if I'm ever going to be heard or understood, I need to like go to school. Basics. I mean, at this point, I was talking about basics, communication skills. And so I did. So I started going to high school and knocked out the classes and I started working at the main, uh, main kitchen and sort of knocked that out, got my GED and all that stuff. But it really, that moment was supposed to defeat me again and be like, you know what, this is as far as I'm going to go. But it actually motivated me to go to school. And so for the next 15 years of my life, based on someone giving me some advice about make some noise, like write letters and call people, whatever. Who is that person? They said make some noise? That lawyer? I think, nah, I think it was somebody there, man. I think it was a staff member there at what YTS. Do you remember your first when somebody told you and you was like, that that first, that, that one time, like, man, you got to do this? Or you remember that person? I mean, I had quite a few of them in my life. But that, <laughs> yeah. that first one that started the, the ball rolling. I mean, it, it, it was my grandmother in death whispered in my ear, mm. you know. That's who I always attribute everything of mine to, you know. Mm. Definitely. Mine's probably came from Rochelle McGee. Who's that? Rochelle McGee is the longest political held prisoner in the state of California. Mm. Been in prison for over 40, probably close to 39, 40 years. It was an A number. Wow. And I went to him one day in New Delano, fresh out of YA. I knew my case was messed up. I knew it was messed up. All the gang enhancements, everything. And I was like, hey, OG, I know you good. They're like, oh, McGee, call it Mr. McGee. I was like, man, can I pay you to do my legal work for me? Mm. I don't even got the money. I can barely go to canteen. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I was going to find a way. Mm. And um, he said, nah, youngster, 
I'm not going to do nothing for you, and I don't want your money. Damn, I felt offended. Now I want to fight OG now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not knowing who this dude, this dude is. He's like he's up there, yeah. matriarch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's got so many stuff passed and laws passed. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? He said, you meet me tomorrow at the law library. Now, you got two choices. You can go to the yard like the rest of the yard dogs and all these backyard, backdoor slaves, or you can come over here. So the next day, you know, yard opens up, 9, 9, 15. I'm in the law library, mm. and I wrote every single person in that pro bono log, mm. and it failed at all of them. About 40 <laughs> of them. I wrote everybody until somebody sent me Elizabeth Calvin's address. Oh, yeah, I know Elizabeth. And after there, friend. it was good. So it's, You know what's, tri- what's trippy about that, man, is that, you know, so at some point I started making some noise, right? At the time, noise meant snail mail, maybe a oh, phone yeah. call. If you had the balls to call somebody, like literally collect, and then they would have to answer. Then you have to be like, okay, showtime, right? But the idea was to make some noise. If you really are innocent and you need some help, you know, don't don't just lay there, I guess, right? So back to this sort of same message. And, you know, what I what I did by default was I went to the law library and I started looking for Spanish surnames. You know, it's it's a it's a directory of attorneys. Yeah. And I'm only looking for the ones that had Lopez and Sanchez and Carbajal and Carrillo. Because I thought, like, oh, these are people who, you know, will hear Frankie Carrillo right. and, like, rush my to my age. Right. My, my people, right? right? Yeah, little Frankie from Linwood. Like, they'll, they'll identify. Little me. Frankie from yeah, Linwood. I mean, yeah, yeah. Nobody responded. Mm. Nobody. And were they, pl- like, desperation, please? Like, you know, they were, we're still knocking out the same sort of, like, they might have had a little bit of more one one notch up from a May Day. It might have made more a little bit more sense, but I wasn't saying much. Yeah, yeah. But still, like, but then and then I it, it was it was uh, you know, I'm not holding that against myself, but it was just a world that, that I was in. I was like thinking, well, maybe someone who who uh, can sympathize with me based on my plight or our people's plight or whatever. I don't think, I mean, which makes strategic, yeah, it makes sense. I get it. Like you look, you're, yeah, you're grasping, you're operating out of desperation at that point, grasping for anything. So yeah, I mean that, that makes total sense. And man. then that went to like, you know what, let me just, just write. Like didn't, at some point it just didn't matter. I wrote Oprah, I wrote 48 hours, I wrote Geraldo Rivera, like whoever I can think of at the time that was, you know, a name, I would just write them. Geraldo, too. He was. Geraldo, yeah. And Donahue. They were like, it yeah, at the time. Donahue, like Bill exactly. Donahue, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, you know, but that that was like a, a writing campaign on, like, on, on my free time. Because the way I look at it, especially in YTS, was, you know, I had I had entered a subculture, this this microcosm of the world uh, that I was I was part of. You know, I was, you know, it's, it was just a, a miniature world that, that I was, I had to do my part, you know. Um, the crazy part about your, your, your experience, you were put in certain positions. It's like, you know, the average person that ends up in YA, mm-hmm. they go mad. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? You look at the gods, statistically speaking, look at the dudes that got out of YA. A lot of them right now are sitting in prison mm-hmm. because it's, it bred a, uh, you know, impulsivity yep. and violence. You, you were put there, and then they took you away from the, the violence of the, the younger dudes. Because believe it or not, you had to mature in a very fast rate. And people might hear this, and they think, oh, he talking about 20 years. No, this is a four-year span that this right. man has had to think, do this, 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 follow the pill, grow up, be a father, do, and still maintain his sanity while 
being held innocently, yep. bondage. Yep. You know, and then to go to what they took you out of the violence and they put you in YA. For you to be able to maneuver in YA to get an appeal started shows that, brother, you've been given some blessings. Mm-hmm. To prepare you for later. Yeah, in the midst of trying to acclimate to just insanity, to sit right. there and like try to address the Supreme Court, like right. I yeah, um, I remember on mine, my appeal like ran out of time because I had to file like a federal writ within one year that AEDPA, mm-hmm. which is like the most discriminatory it's law. The worst, yep. So um, when I went for like my nice circuit, um, I, I got called into court and I, they said, "Well, how come you didn't file a federal appeal?" I said, because I was 18, my goal was to be alive at the end of the day. Nothing more, mm. nothing less. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't have a high school diploma. I stopped going to school at like 16, let alone be able to file like a federal writ while trying to acclimate to like Salinas Valley, like a newly open prison. Like, wow. So I, wow, for you to yeah. find out within yourself to at least do that. I, I, like I surrendered. I gave up. Like, no, yeah. I, I did. Sadly, I, sadly. I gave I, up in the same place. SRCC, S, uh, SYCRCC. Southern Youth Reception Center in Norwalk. I was back there, and uh, I was in Drake. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was way in the back. Yeah, where, yeah, I was in Drake, and, and the old ladies used to come in. He's coming with these big-ass white dogs. They call them Christmas dogs. You know, the old ladies yep. come in there. Everybody call them mama. Well, I'm not finna call this lady mom. I don't even know you. But your old ass be calling you mom like that up in here. And what's up with this big-ass white dog? I don't know, like, what the hell? It looked like the bear off the Coca-Cola That's commercials. That's funny. And... They would always tell me, hey, file an appeal, file an appeal. You got this amount of days to file an appeal. And I'm like, what is an appeal? Wow. What the world doesn't know is that children don't understand the language of law, let alone an adult who's ignorant to the law. So you're in here speaking a whole language. Like, it's like being in a courtroom and everybody's speaking English and you, you just, you know, Spanish. Right. What is he saying? Well, it's like when he said, when you heard bound over, you, all, you know, remember you right. thought... Okay, this is a, yeah, this a was, plus. I knew yeah. nothing. And then, and why there's no, uh, they don't have the proper setup for guys that are tried as an adult to file appeals, writ of habeas corpus. There's no law library. There's no, they, they didn't have that. I think there was only one, the, in YTS, they had a, a section of the library was for a law library. There was a guy named Manny or Manuel who worked there. There was never, as far as I can recall, when I was there, there was never anyone else there. So nobody uh-huh. was worried about, you know, appeals or right. case. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting world, but like, it's like when you're here, you're here, you know, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm thinking back now that it was like so much, it was just so much going on, man. Mm, it was yeah. so much going on. Yeah, like yeah. there was like, I mean, like I'll give you an example of like a day in YTS when it came to like, you left your unit after you went to the, the local, they had a, um, like a dining room, like in between the units, you have breakfast <laughs> and then you go back to your cell and then it's, it's trade line, like it's movement time. And there's like, they'll call out with trades or, or t- hold, uh, trade holds, which is like no one's there, whatever, it's like it's a day off. And they, they go around open doors and you're, you're on your way to the, to the, tra- to the, on the trade line to go to school. Yeah. And these huge groups of people just moving units are moving like it like a and like you know it's very well well oiled machine right it's yeah, going on. yeah and so you go where you're gonna go work or school or whatever um but you hit the trade line and most guys have like a tumbler coffee cut like a lot of coffee drinking going on right sure. <laughs> there was a smoke in there's a smoke there's a, there's a 
there's like a, it's like a world, man. You get a bar, you got a haircut. There's a barber, you know, you yeah. go to school. There's a guy up there who, who people know he's selling cocaine. That the guys that the JD instruct. There's like a whole thing, right? It's a city. <laughs> it's a, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so what was trippy for me was that the guys um, got me a job in the main kitchen. And I, I've always been like a young cook as growing up. So for me, food was was my jam. You still got your hand? Yeah, oh yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I, I, be, I, be, I became like the local, I was like the, the YTS's dietitian. So my, my job at the main kitchen initially was like cooking for the people in the hospital, like specific, like low sodium diets or special oh, diets, wow. whatever. And then that went cooking like for the teachers. And it, so my world expanded where like I'm the guy with control the food for staff and for everybody at Which some point. Which puts you in like a nice well position. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. at the time, you know, this is before like like um, the, f- the food that was being freezed. So this is like there was a full-on butcher shop. The, there was a bakery. There was like the vegetables. E- everything you can think of yeah. like was at your disposal, food right? Get you anything in jail. And so <laughs> what I started doing was, you know, obviously I wasn't supposed to, but like I started making like black market food that, you know, that I would cook for like you know, burritos or mainly yeah. burritos, you yeah. know, and so like people, the orders would go out. I would have staff transport, you know, 20 burritos at UNV and ENF had 40 or whatever. He said and black like, market, you know, <laughs> and then I realized in my head, all the shit that we, all the burritos we were cooking in there, we were not supposed to be making that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he is right. That yeah. is black there, market you know, food. It's, yeah. uh, you know, cause it's, obviously it's all state issued stuff, you know, and you know, here I am. Yeah. Right. I got my own menu, you know? But um, but it's just again, it's just it's another. It's I, I think about YTS with like such a uh, sort of poetic experience. You know, I had a, I had really had a good time for, for being incarcerated. I learned a lot of just a lot of everything there, man. It was it was interesting, very interesting place. Wow, I, yeah, I was gonna ask you too. Like, how would you have described it? I didn't uh, think poetic was gonna be there. Yeah, you know. Um, Was this yeah. before the um, the death of Miss Baker or after? So Miss Baker's death is what moved me to uh, state prison. So, that happened what yeah. on your, like about your fourth year there. Yeah, ninety six. That's yeah. when the hell broke loose. <laughs> yeah, I, was it in a because. I remember being in Salinas at that time, and we literally came out to yard the morning. There was like seventy five M numbers, like freshly mm. from prison. Um, yeah. I was it. So I was in the unit above uh, because I worked in. I used to be in K and L. And because of, uh, I worked in the kitchen, they put us in G and H. And so okay. it happened in C and D. So right beneath us. So it was a weekend and uh, super quiet morning, like something was up. You, uh, for the guys, I think it might have been a Sunday, but for the guys, church was like, uh, the Catholic church specifically was uh-huh. where like the gang meeting was at every Sunday. Yeah. So like if whatever union you were from, you went to church because you were going to go be seen and and see and pass kites and it's sacred. always been like that even in kale I loved like it, man. we would put the we would put our jumpsuits under the bed they'd be creased you throw on the rosary <laughs> and then like you got your note because it's co-ed you pass it to you you know it yeah. was cool man because like yts had like this this like you you depends who, what units were there first but you just troll in man you just mob right into the and down the like the the middle of the aisle and you go sit and you're shaking hands and you're you know get, saying what's up and okay over here and past this and so it's, it's just a, it's like you know you know i'm not sure what 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 i call that what well, you guys can help me define uh, that but community it was, gathering yeah but on some other level it was just yeah. like all the all the gangsters were there dude no but right. i mean it was you know it was it was strictly 
it was it was like a gang meeting at the right. church, you know. So I was in uh, WNX and Y and Z, but we weren't allowed to leave the building because everybody there was 18 or older. Mm. We were 14 and up. So the Tehachapi program, after they closed it due to the kids not being educated and they weren't providing anything for them, they needed to find a place for the M numbers. I was E number, so mm. I didn't have, you know, MD number was you had the choice 18, stay in there if you had enough time. They gave me a determinate prison sentence. Wow. So they're like, you have to go. We don't, there's no, none of that. Yeah. So it was, it was, we still felt the after effects of it because you said something earlier, where, um, you said there was a war going on. They used to literally come to our door and tell us that, we hate you prison guys. We hate you guys that are sentenced to prison. All you guys with these E numbers. We were all together. It was only about seven of us. Mm. And they would say, it's a war going on. Mm. Whose side are you on? Wow. Blue or green? Who so choose one. I'm like, what the hell? What is he talking about? I'm a kid, man. Yeah. What you talking about? Man, I'm going to prison. I don't know about none of this shit going yeah. on. But it still had the effect because it was an overall thing. You know, um, you know, I don't want to try to over glamorize YTS, but you know, YTS had you know the football pads. It was like you know yeah. you, you had your team Everybody unit. That, yeah. You know, there was uh, you, you were part of the swim club. Um, it was almost like for for a kid, you know, who who came from a world where <laughs> you remember the swimming pool next to the know, gym. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. It's funny, but I, I came from a world where like I I inherited like this old fashioned way of living, like Ham's Diner, the bowling alley. Yeah, yeah. In YTS was like the time capsule. So you were doing things that I thought, like I would, it was almost like I was like a, a varsity football college level because all those things were, were, were in play. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was, it was like, it was, if you took away all the, all the fact that, you know, you guys were there because they were convicted, it had all the elements of progressive like program. 40s, 50s. Yeah. You know, there was like, you know, you ran track, you know, you, you know, it was, it was just the like things that you would not think of would be there were like, yeah, there. it was it was pretty amazing, man, that they were still there when I was there. Do you think if such programs like they had there, because I know they had college, yep. they had uh, Freemasonry, like Paso, when I was in Paso, Freemasonry, I learned how to run a greenhouse and all that mm -hmm. type of stuff, swamp ditching. Do you think if these same progressive programming or positive programming, do you think if that was implemented in our facilities today, it would be better because... People have things to do, and they're actual trades that are limitless. Like, this isn't a trade that next year, hey, we're not making bricks anymore. We're making everything out of styrofoam. No. Right. Everybody <laughs> needs a plumber. Everybody yeah. needs a bricklayer. So do you think oh, such absolutely. programs like that, oh, I, I mean, I boxing, football, oh, you, know, yeah. you know, how many dudes would not have 115s if they said, oh, me and this dude got a problem. Oh, let's go to the boxing gym. Let's do this like some men, put the gloves off. It's in a safety manner, and go ahead and leave back out. You know, what's cool was that, I, well, first of all, I, I agree that life would be a lot different for for everybody, staff, you know, those who are who are there to, you know, um, learn new lessons or to reboot, whatever you know, however you want to describe it. But I can remember when, when I was in YTS, uh, Smitty was the the boxing coach, and I think he was at a Duarte. But there was a boxing team in YTS mm. where where uh, folks from the outside would come in and and have have okay. fights like full on. Like, you know, bing, bing, round one, here we go, right? The local college guy, whatever, right? Or Marines would come in and vice versa. Guys would leave and go fight on the outside. And so, like, these things, you, you almost feel like you're, I'm talking about some, you yeah. know, 1930s. Yeah. Or I don't know what year I would you would replace that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, to it's kind of interesting to know, like, what happens now Yeah. to kind of what I've experienced. Uh, it's, uh, it, 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 
I, you know, people ask me, you know, like, you know, programs on the inside and I default to like, that was the inside. That was, that was in cust you know, a custodial setting and they had, they had great things, you know, you know, mechanics and culinary arts and barber college and right. Laverne university would come in and, you know, and this is at one of probably one of the hardest places at the time. It was, tough, it was really, really yeah. tough, man. It was really tough. And, uh, you know, drug infested, a lot of Pruno, like all the other stuff was going on, you know, a lot of, again, like, forget my, you know, so if I was the, the food guy, you know, um, if I wanted new boots every day, the well, the warehouse guys, uh, the yeah. school guy, like everybody was in the, was moving stuff. Everybody was always moving something. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I had access to R and R. I knew the person who worked there. So if I, if someone had something taken away from them, it was like in confiscated, I was able to get it back. So like all these channels, you know, um, not only me, other folks too. Right. But like, it was, it was an interesting, it's very interesting thinking about that. Wow. So what I'm picturing Andy Dufresne right now in white yes. You'll see it. You'll be like, like the Latino Andrew. <laughs> you'll be Dufresne. like, what the what the hell? Like even in in Preston, when I went to Preston, that's like the southern uh, place. You you walk the tray line, bro. They had a studio. They had art class. I learned how to change tires in there. Yeah. But then at the same time, you could walk out ten minutes later, see a dude flying through one of these windows because a fight just broke out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you're like. But then that goes to show to the climate of now, whereas you can't punish everybody for what these oh, people yeah, do yeah. or these people do. There's still people that want a program. All right, you just threw out, got flew out of the window. Let me walk around you and go on about my business instead of the yeah. everybody gets punished for it. So well, speaking of punishment, so then we all got punished and were sent to... M numbers were sent to uh, CDC. Was at that the time. a quick? Did they immediately do it after that? There was that no lady? committees. Nothing. Maybe maybe a week or two after emergency they moved transfer. Around. They moved around. And they finally got to GNH where I was at, and it, I went to Delano, and then from Delano I went to Corcoran, Old Corcoran, and then I got transferred to Donovan for a little bit, and then I went to Folsom. Old Corcoran. Old so Corcoran, you went. Yeah. Oh, was this before the federal uh, federal yeah, indictment? So I, yeah. So when I got oh yeah, there, what year Corcoran? I was there in '96. Corcoran. Okay, so right after the the whole maybe well, I guess it was right after okay. ninety five was when it, the indictment. Yeah, I believe so. You're right. Yeah, because um, there was still shoe obviously shoe kickouts were coming out, but I think that there was already light had been shed already on on the stage fights and all that stuff. And then Delano was new Delano open or old Delano, just old Delano, Delano. So they yeah. hadn't. They, they labeled New Delano the super prison because it's, it's so just... That's current. Huge. You went to Old Delano. Yeah, Old yeah, Delano. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think New yeah. Delano was... Current, oh, yeah, current 2006. That was one of our, like, my greatest accomplishments, like, when I was in prison, when we were in the dog program yeah. in uh, Old Corcoran together, the um, associate warden came in, and they were just, like, amazed at, like, the, the program. It was working. It was good. And he goes... Now, when people Google Corcoran, this dog program comes nice. up before the Gladiator School. So yeah. I thank you guys so much. I was yeah. like, you know, okay. It was interesting, man. When I got there, um, B Yard, then I went to C Yard. But when I when I got to Corcoran, where I was like, you know, do your time here. Uh, I was in, I was in, uh, what was I? I guess I was like in, um, you know, whatever tier for reception. It was locked down in B Yard. And I was thinking, oh, like, when, I was thinking, um, um, Dewitt Nelson style of like chow hall. Like, oh, you go there, you have a tray and you just tell them, you know, two slices of whatever and then you yeah. slide and whatever else. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and it was my first time like in that, in that dining room where it's just like stainless steel and those hard tables and the hole in the wall where you, a tray came out and you grabbed it, you know, yeah. and went and sat down. 
Um, but it was interesting. I remember, you know, what I, what I thought was the most interesting from going from a, a very youthful energy, I was kind of excited to go into the adult space because I was envisioning like <laughs> me too. you do. I was envisioning I get, like I, 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 totally I was get so that. happy yeah. to go to prison. <laughs> Not that, I don't know why it's gonna sound great. if you just turn this on and be like, "Yeah, I'm so happy to go to prison." Like crazy ass weirdo, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Likes that? Yeah, what's you know, going on? What I was I'm not sure what you guys, but you know what I was envisioning was like a modern day Plato, man, like a Socrates. I was envisioning age equated wisdom and knowledge. So I said, okay, I'm going to be around these, these dinosaurs, these legends, these just men. Like, cause I was the, the oldest person there was a 25 year old in YTS. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be around some 60 year olds or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't wait to, for those conversations, you yeah. know, like finally like a, like a real conversation. Right. And I swear to God, man, the, the, the moment happened. Like I manifested the moment. The guy's name was, uh, things, things, Lupe was his first name. I'm not sure what he went by, but shout out Lupe. Had the, had the mustache, had the look. He walked, you know, had something over his, his hand. Yeah, and yeah. Had the right tattoos, you know. Creased up, creased up. Toe. Older dude. I'm thinking, oh man, this dude's probably you know tipped up or something. I don't know who he is, but like he's the older guy, you know, the whole older veterano or whatever. And uh, you know, he's not saying much. I'm not saying much. I'm thinking that's just kind of part of it. You just kind of walk in the track, you know. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you know, siren, the bell goes off like his yard recall, whatever. And he's still like, you know, kind of mysterious. I'm thinking, oh, okay, like this is, this is it, you know, like this is how it, you know, how it's, how it's going to play out. Yeah. And the guy says, uh, Hey, Hey, uh, Hey, what's for dinner tonight? And I looked at the dude and I'm like, I've been waiting for you, man. And this is all you got. Yeah. What's for dinner tonight? You yeah, know, I'm waiting for some timeless wisdom. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. waiting for like the same know. thing they give every yeah. every day on the sixth day. I was thinking three, like, wow. you know, like okay, so like you know, you're you're just got here, and like you know that moment. What I don't know, something something the mean, rundown. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but other guys got the rundown. But something like here's the guy. Everything was there except like you know him knocking out some verses about like. Yeah. Some de- something from like deep down about like <laughs> philosophy yeah. 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 at the end of that sunshine is a ray of awesome. like, so that's that. the bar box and your cell closes I want you to ask yourself every day what's for what's for dinner after every push up yeah <laughs> what's something for right and so you know it, it really it really you know bust my bubble man because I, I really at the time was thinking you know that naturally as you got older you got wiser but then I realized that just that, that wasn't the truth you know you can be a seven year old guy who's thinking like a 15 year old and so that was one of the worst things too like um seeing like like a 50 year old man walking around the track talking about the same thing that he was talking about when he was a 20 year old walking around the track sad yeah oh man it's heartbreaking it really is it's heartbreaking but it also shines a lot on what these people have to hold on to Mm. if all i have to hold on to is my childhood you know then you know you look at you look at school for some dudes like um You wanted to get away from that school as a kid, so you left it. So who would say that this guy didn't like school? Mm-hmm. He can't read. So school is not something that's something that's soothing for him. It's not palatable to the taste of, of his lifestyle or what he's been through. So that's something he wouldn't speak upon. So you ask him, what is some of your most, like how you said right now, the highlight of you know being in there and going through that, right, Brian? Yep. What is his highlight of life? 
that fight that he won. Mm. That's the only thing he has to hold on to. The homies patting yeah, him on his back yeah, saying, yeah, you're yeah. a down ass OG you, you, or something. You that. That, but yeah. can you really blame him? No, it's because tough, I lived you know? for praise at one yeah. stage that's, of my that's, life. Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. nothing I would have done for it's that. It's like a yeah. damned if I do, damned if I don't. Yeah. Like, you're still holding on that, that 14-year-old kid. Just like that 16-year-old kid is still in you. Why? Because when you get around your kids, when they were kids, they still seen that youthfulness that dad still had. You know? Well, I'll tell you, man, that even though I'm kind of like knocking this, you know, this moment that kind of was let down. Yeah. You know, he actually, at the moment I was let down, but as life went on, he actually taught me a, a greater lesson than I, I even could have imagined. Give it to us. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, no, here I am now, you know, giving it to you, right? So, Lupe's response to me, at some point, I, I, I connected some dots and I said, okay, like, here I was, a young, a young man making these large assumptions about life, about humanity, about uh, adulthood, you know, w wisdom, knowledge, some understanding, right, that, that you pass down, you share. Him not playing that out for me helped me understand that it's not about you having to reach a certain age before you can do that. You can do that at 25-year-old. You can do that. Uh, you can do that at 30. You can do that at 18. So it changed this way I thought about myself and others that you don't have to reach a certain point in your life where you can start dishing out whatever leadership. Did you realize that in the moment? No, sometime after I realized okay, that. Okay. Yeah. Because right. so I, 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 th there, there was this like sort of like reoccurring moment that I, why I'm bringing up today because I had been lo was looking forward to it. And what I thought was a letdown was actually a lesson all to itself. Yeah. Mm. You know? And then even then, he kind of he kind of humbled you like, yeah. what are you glorifying me for? <laughs> you know exactly. I'm a mere man just Dang. like you. Yeah, okay. exactly. And at this time, are you still, um, is there still faith in the appeal? Are you still, are you banging on making noise? And um, then the, the upper the upper cut comes in. Are you even thinking about the parole board? Yeah, definitely no parole board, but I'm, I'm, I'm in transition now, so I left YA, I'm in prison now, and, you know, I don't even know where the, if they even had a law library, you know, some cats knew me from other places, so they're there with me, but I, what I wanted to do was, I felt that now you can move around, you can ask to be transferred, and so I just happened to hit the lotto, and I, on my first annual, I asked to go, my points dropped to level three, and I asked to go to Donovan. Just like why not? Like if you know, just go ahead and we'll 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 put it in. If they they're gonna deny you, but like at least we'll put it. And so they they accepted it. And so you know, to my surprise, I was heading to San Diego, and I was there for a bit. But what happened? What happened? A couple, I don't know, a year or two later, was that I was getting too comfortable, too many visits, too many. My dad died when I was there. Oh, sorry to hear that. That's yeah, no, it was it was tough, man, and. Uh, I, I, I saw the, the the fight with the fight was gone because I was more worried about like food sales and like got really good at handball so I wanted to be playing hand I was in, you know going to school and so on but I said I gotta get out of here and so I, I what I what others thought I was doing was really sabotaging myself was was what got me out and so I went to my annual and I asked my counselor to put me up for Folsom it was a level two it was a uh, uh, close custody level two at the time, or I was going to be a close custody level two. And the only place was either San Quentin or Folsom at the time or in Soledad. But so I ended up, ended up going to Folsom kind of where I wanted to go because I remember when I was a little boy, my cousin, 
they, they I have older uh, cousins and even folks a little bit younger than me who've been in the joint YA. So a lot of again that same dynamic was going on, not just within my, within my home but other other family members as well. And I must have been about eleven years old, man. And my cousin said, "Hey, Frankie, what's up?" You know, he's like, "Hey, when um when you get to Folsom, make sure you let you make sure you represent." And I'm like. Folsom, like, where's that at? He's seen it. He, he it, that was he, he was rocking and rolling already. He must have been like seventeen. He probably been in Nellis, whatever, right? He's been in and out, and he just like that's just where his mind was at. Like, Man, it's the culture, represent. it's the lifestyle. So that's and so I'm like, well, whatever. And then at some point I'm like, oh shoot. Folsom's a prison, whatever. They kind of, it kind of like, it, it planted this weird seed in me, man. Yeah, I ran into men named after Folsom. Like, that's <laughs> oh, you do really? Real. The grown the dude named Folsom. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's a place. Oh, a nickname or something. Uh, no, that was, no, that was his, his gang angle. moniker. Oh, so it's like, it. why do they call you Folsom? And then you get to Folsom, like, oh, so that's why he act like that. All right. I got Folsom cuffs on my pants oh, right now. Anyway, so I get, I get to, uh, so in my mind, Folsom was like end of the road, right? And what I wanted to do was I wanted to, like, I don't want any more visits because I felt like the visits were, like, just making me too soft. Mm. The packages, the the food sales, uh, I was just like, I, I need to go. You're becoming content with, so it's, it's with, with the environment, dude. Like, I mean, flat yeah. out, Brian, it was just like a situation yeah. where it's just like, oh, I've, I've, I've gotten too comfortable. Complacent. Yeah. And, I, and I get to Folsom, and it's like, oh, shit, man. Like, all right, I guess this is what you asked for. And it was, it was hard. It was a hard, like, but it, but it, but what, what happened soon after I got there, I met this dude, El Amin. If I was 26, 27, he was like 50. El Amin? And he ran the Muslims. He was out of like San Francisco, Oakland. Wendell James was his, is his real name, but that's what he went by, El Amin. The one you can trust. That's what he means, El Amin. Is that what it means? Yeah, in Arabic. So El Amin was that guy who rolled the yard with like an entourage, like dudes are flanking him because he was he was that dude. And then Folsom, you can kind of do that, and always well dressed. And someone said you need to, you need to meet El Amin because I told him about my innocence, and El Amin was claiming to also be innocent. And hard lines, there was no things at the time there, and all the all the obvious politics. I was in I was in transition through five block, one of the oldest blocks in California. It happens to be at Folsom, and I see him coming, and his entourage stops, and he breaks out of it and comes and gives me a hug during like yard recall, mm. like an embrace, like a like the handshake, bump bump, like on the shoulder, and I'm like, fuck, who's like, oh shit, I'm in trouble, man, like you know, yeah, like what like this is you know like I, I, I felt a little <laughs> I felt like a little bit like over familiarity he was like, he was yeah. not he was he was operating on like zen level and I was still like chakra number one I was just like the energies were like he was just like none of this matters what's around us I want to I see you and embrace you and I was like oh man like I hope nobody saw that do you feel like one. now like you being there and you being innocent and him being innocent you're probably the only person he felt like he could relate to in that whole damn yard. Was that what that was about? Yeah. So he he he, wow. he spotted me. So he knew, you know, super smart guy. So he he uh, what happened was that, you know, we connected and no one said a single thing. It was all on my head, obviously. But El Amin put me on the track to get out. So we talked there for a minute, connected, and then like soon after we just talked for like a couple hours. 
and the, the, he gave me this roadmap. He gave me all these, you know, addresses to write to and, you know, things that I, I could have not come up with on my own. And I'll tell you guys that as, as, as dramatic as I'm making that initial meet and greet, I just thought, because it was like dramatic from his end, like his entourage stops and he kind of breaks out of his like bubble. Nah, that is that is not dramatic. That's yes. still. Yeah, that's, yeah. For me, I just like, oh shit, like this is, he's, he's kind of out of character to come and say hi to me, whatever. If I was, look, I'm, 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 I'm being accused and doing time for the murder of a black man. If I would have jumped into this sickness about like black, brown, white, me versus them, I would have never even, when someone would have said, oh, you need to meet, meet El Amin, I would have been like, no, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. I don't, just sounds like a black guy. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to meet him. But I was like, of course, like, yeah, you know, tell him about me. And I think about that critical moment because, as we all know, that system is designed to, like, in, instill these, these limitations and, and fears and, you know, everything else. And I'm grateful that, that the man who came with the roadmap to my freedom was allowed, I was allowed to embrace. He, he saw me and I saw him. And I can only imagine if I was a different man what I would have done at that moment. And this is on a yard of how many people at the time that you two literally of what? Thousand people. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, that's a, that's one yard. It's, 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 there's no, it's just units. It's it's only one yard. Everyone comes to one yard. It's always crazy too. That reminds me of like, I was in Kern Valley one time. We were in a yard and there were two um, guys on the yard and they were mentally challenged. One guy had a very difficult time speaking. It would take him 20 minutes just to say hi and get his name out. The other guy would kind of mumble and you, whatever happened in their past. And these guys out of that huge yard found each other and used to just walk laps. Oh, wow. So it's just, I don't know if yeah. it has anything to do with like energies or whatever pulling you together. Something that's, that's ultimate relatable like that. A few months ago, I didn't, I didn't know Brian got stabbed 13, what, 13 times? Mm -hmm. No, 27. 27 yeah. times right, yeah. by some brothers. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I sat there and I was like, man, I didn't even know that. 27, you got stabbed. 27, not, oh, this day, this day. No, he got stabbed at one time. Wow. 27 times by some brothers. And he can say right after that, it's all good. You know, that's yeah. just. Yeah. I mean, it was the life we were living. It was business. Like, I walked in there 115 here and said, those are my friends. They didn't do it. Um, they said, he's my friend. We didn't do it to him. And everybody went home. Mm -hmm. Now, had I had action, of course, I was going to retaliate and all that. But uh, I like I totally got it. Right. You know, people would always say, well, don't you have like a resentment or like, no, absolutely yeah. not. If anything, I'm like a respect as crazy as that might sound to the untrained ear or whatever. But in there, like you did what you were supposed to do. Right. Right. Wow. Um, wow. Just, that, that yeah. takes that takes a lot. I it's mean, a thing, man. It's, it, I'm grateful we're talking about this because, I mean, yeah, even even yeah. for me to to walk on a prison yard or. Because outside, I have not experienced anything close to Nazi, Ku Klux Klan, any of that type of stuff. You only see that inside mm -hmm. California state yep. prison. Yep. I mean, unless you go up to like weird high desert and these backwoods <laughs> yeah. and shit yeah. like right, that. Right, right, right. You, see, you see stuff like that. But seeing a dude walking, it wasn't even violence. It wasn't even violence. This dude had a reputation for himself. And I was walking and I seen this dude in Old Corcoran and he pulled his shirt off. And I had been talking to this dude for about like, old, old man Jake, that's his name. White boy Jake, oh, crazy right. Jake the Snake. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, he pulled his shirt off and he was on the weight bars. And I looked at him and I said, 
But I already got to know you first. Right, right, right. But if right. I'd have known that you had a noose tattooed around your mm. neck, you know what I'm saying? No matter what you say, I know what that noose signifies. Mm. You have a noose tattooed around your neck, the whole rope going mm. down your spine. And I'm like, damn, we have to coexist. Wow. I still have to give you the respect. That this is your opinion. Stay on that. Yep, yep. I'm glad that you represent that and you put it out there. I'd rather you draw the line right here. I go my way and you go your way. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But it's, it's that type of stuff of just dealing. You have to deal with it when it's on a yeah. spot. So it's, it's, it's people don't realize that about prison. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. have every single person in here. You have hate groups. You have dudes, terrorist crimes and, and all that type of stuff. You see these things going on, but you just. Do you let it pass? No, you deal with it internally. You see it. You see all the stuff. You know this hate here is hate here. The cops may do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you know, they, they go in and tear your artwork down, or you may have a picture of your mom, and they may throw it in the toilet. It takes a serious mm. person who's committed, like you were committed, mm. like you were committed, because y'all had life. Mm-hmm. I come from a person that had a determined sentence. So it's, it's, it's hard. I guess that shit is just, I can't, to this day, I'm still sitting here like, how? What? <laughs> Because when I was going through that case and I was facing that 50 to life for that staff assault, he watched me get just drug out mm. in cuffs and I got hit with a case and I fought it for three years and I was innocent and I was placed in a shoe and they put me on the, the chilling wow. effect. They put me on the cooling effect. Just going through that, know you're innocent and you finna get out. And y'all are better people than me. Just know that. Because mm. I told myself going through that case before we got to the trial with five Loyola Professor Hawthorne on him oh, yeah. my court oh, yeah. date in, to, in Kings County. And I told myself, I said, damn, if I lose this, I'm going to kill something. Mm. And I'm going to keep on killing. Because ain't no way I'm going to be an innocent man sitting inside this jail for free. Somebody going to have to pay. Not everybody like y'all. You know mm. what I'm saying? Not this, and I'm content enough to say that if I was an innocent person put inside of a jail for something I didn't do, Somebody has to pay. Mm. As fucked up as it may seem, but it's, yeah. it's, it's the reality. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's that's wow. y'all are some incredible people. People, it's, it's hard to do that. Like it's hard to sit in there. It's hard to go to the parole board and get turned down. Especially some of the brothers I talked to. I know two dudes that they didn't do it. You know they didn't do it. Mm. And for them to go to the parole board and the parole board. You have to say, I committed this crime. And for this dude to go up there every three to four mm. years and say, I didn't do it. And the parole board is like, well, we'll let you out if you say you did it. I know quite a few people. Yeah, like I didn't do it. They, sending back. So Elamine uh, schools me. And, I, and I'm, I'm a student. You know, I'm this, this man's student. And he eventually leads me to Tony Carter, who is a teacher at Folsom. And I became her teacher's aide. And so through Tony... Uh, I was still writing letters. She would. She was a, a free staff teacher. She would edit my letters or read them over, and I was still in this letter game. Now, folks, I'm doing the same thing. Ella means advice and so on. How long have you been down by this point? Fifteen years. Okay. That that's determination. <laughs> Tony on a Monday says, "Frankie, um, as you know, just showing you some respect. I I, I retire this week. It's my last week." So maybe start looking for another job. GD instructor, you know, I've been working there for a couple of years, so cool, right? So okay, cool. That night, went through the motions, eventually got showered, went to my, my cell, and, you know, watched a movie, went to bed, whatever. 
and I had a dream. And the dream wasn't really a vision of, of it wasn't a visual. It was more like this, like this, this message, this verbal message. And all I can remember was ask Tony to help you. That's it. Ask Tony. I woke up like, ask Tony to help you. And so Tuesday goes by, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's her last day, you know, and she's actually leaving the schoolhouse. And I don't have the courage to say, to say much, right? I can write you a letter all day long saying, hey, I need help and come get me, whatever. Mayday, mayday, right? But here it is in person. Yeah. And yeah. she's, her back is, she's walking away. And I said, Tony, and a little bit louder. And Tony, finally, Tony, 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 third Tony, she turns around and says, like, like did I forget? Like, yeah, like, what's up, you know? And I walk over to her and I said, Tony, like, you know my plight? You know what I've been going through? Um, now that you're retired, if you come across a lawyer, a reporter, anybody you think can help me, would you share my story? Seemed fairly simple. She's like, yeah, I can do that. I felt huge relief that I said, I, I asked her and she said yes, and she left. About six months after that, she's retired living in Sacramento, and she's at a function. There's a guy named Bo Lozoff who wrote a book about like prison yoga. Yeah, yeah, Bo, yeah. So Bo Lozoff is in town. I know the book, yeah. Yeah, I think it's called We're All Doing Time. We're All Doing Time, like little meditations and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Bo Lozoff is in town as like a, on a book tour, basically. And she, she, she's already met Bo Lozoff. She's read Bo Lozoff his, his, uh book. But she got an invite to go, you know, for his, his uh, tour, book tour. And it happens to be at a prison volunteer, uh, a Folsom prison volunteer, Judy, who was my Tai Chi instructor. So she never knew about my story, but she was hosting Bo Lozoff. And so Tony, retiree, shows up, and there's Bo Lozoff doing his thing. And during the Q&A, someone stands up or raises their hand and says, you know, hi, my name is Ellen Eggers. I'm a lawyer. By the way, can you tell me about that, you know, downward dog or whatever, right? Like some, but she announced that she was a lawyer, like all good lawyers should do, because it's very egotistical, right? Like, hey, I'm a lawyer or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But good for her, good for me, she, she said she announced that she was an attorney because Tony was paying attention. She said, oh, there's a lawyer here. Let me go see if, what I can, what I can, uh, if I can share Frankie's story with her. So Tony tells Ellen, Ellen is moved by the story. The following week, she goes to Folsom Prison to visit me. And for the next five years, Ellen attracts the attention of the Innocence Project in Northern California. She attracts Morrison Forster, which is a huge international law firm, uh, Loyola Law School, Scott Wood, uh, Raylan Nardini. All these people just kind of came together and they solved this, this case. And they, mm. they finally were able to prove that that boy on January 24th, 1991, when he said and chuckled like, no, that wasn't me. You got the wrong guy, was telling the truth. And so they... They were able to prove what I thought and other people in my in my world prison thought would never happen. Was this without DNA or anything? Without DNA, yeah. So when I was in the joint, people were would mock me. I knew they would mock me. Why? Because it's like, like here we go again, right? Like you know, dude's still at the at the law library, he's still talking about his case, he's still dreaming, right? Just give <laughs> it up, come dude. True. Just give it <laughs> up, you know. 
I'm sure when I call my family, they're like, oh my God, this dude's that talking about his damn case again, you know, for all these years later, here we go. I'm sure it was, I'm sure they, they wouldn't admit to it, but I'm sure it was happening. So, um, so even when they told me in my face, fellow prisoners, you know, Frankie, what, what has to happen for you to get out? And I'm like, yeah, I got, you know, I got to find the evidence. Like, no, 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 forget the evidence. He says, how many people testified against you? I said, six. He says, six people, wherever they are in the world, have to all agree that they lied. They have to recant. All of them, not just one, all six of them. Where are you from? L.A. County. Who was involved in your case? The Sheriff's Department. You have to prove that the Sheriff's Department coerced these witnesses to lie against you. You know how hard that is? Yeah. You have to prove that a jury conviction, which... And all, when it's all said and done with, it's it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's like a, uh, you know, you're dead basically. Like there's no, you can't overturn a jury conviction. Like that's a jury conviction means you're. It's there's beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah, it's over. It's done. You got to prove that the that the Constitution of the United States of America, which was intended to protect you, let you down. You know how hard it is to do hearing that now. It's like, yeah, it's like, I'm I'm sitting here like, like, are you helping me or what? (laughs) Shit, I can go drink some coffee on the yard right now. But but he was being realistic, you know, he was trying to break it down to me like, all these things, not just one or two, all of them have to happen. He gave it to you real flat out, dude. Flat out. Yeah. And this, and and, and it, and it, I was just like, okay, well, here we go, right? Like, I'm going to keep trying. So they prove it. All these things that, that I'm, I'm, Listing happened. These these amazing people um, who just wanted to just give me a chance of, of justice um, finally prevailed. And so we're back in court, basically. Mm. What's the moment when it's over? Like, is it you a know, letter? Me, is, was it a court? Is it yeah. a letter? Is it a, a decree from the judge? What, so, what we, it, so, so we... We prove that we that we've we've met our our standard of of you know we we got it. This is a, a deal, a done deal. One of my attorneys says, you know, this is not a, a adversarial situation. Now let's talk to the DA about what we found. And so they do, and they meet with the DA, and then the DA, another connection within the department, they do their own internal investigation. Same conclusion. Damn. So now you have my defense attorneys, the DA's office combined have they've 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 solidified and they're going to uh, file a joint petition to the court to basically say like there is no fight here, Your Honor, just sign it, let this guy out. So all six of these jackasses went up and said that it wasn't you because that's what they are. It's some 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 cowardly jackasses. <laughs> these uh, great American hero, aka jackasses, <laughs> who told this bold faced lie. You know, did they all come up and say, "Look, we they did we lied." Yeah. Wow. It took, it took five years, though. Yeah, it fi- took it took them it took them each individual a, a minute to get to that moment, but they eventually all came forward and said, "I think five out of six, But regardless, uh, even the sixth one became six. Like it, it they all did it. And it, it you said it ended in a letter court. It didn't, no, it ended in, so. So what what happened was that so back to you know the, the Linwood Vikings these these deputies who were now no longer deputies they're now 
second mm. in command, third in command, fifth in command. Like they're 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 the cream of the crop of the sheriff's department now. Catch wind of what's going on. You know, they're they're you know going to expose some of their old work here. And after my team and the DA's office agreed to just let me go, someone with the DA's office asked just a very basic question: Was have you notified the investigative office? You know, in this case, the sheriff's department. So they said, no, well, like, you know, give them a courtesy, let them know what's going on. And so they do. And from Lee Baca, number two was Paul Tanaka, which is the guy who was there when, he, when I was arrested. He's a Linwood guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Lee Baca, face trial, convicted, sentenced. Only reason why he didn't go to prison, because all of a sudden he caught dementia at the end of it. Right. And then second came in, who was the other guy? Paul Tanaka. Paul Tanaka came in to replace him. So he's number two. So num- the number two, like, you know, chair, vice chair, president, vice president, number one and two, two was Paul Tanaka. Paul Tanaka was a known Viking. He was... Um, you got to replace Lee Baca, right? He was a sergeant on my raid team. So when I was arrested that morning, he was a guy commanding, okay, th- this is the layout of Frankie's house. Well, I mean, whatever they do to, you know, he's, he's the guy in charge of that of that operation. So he, I, I consider him being part of the arrest team. Yeah. Number two guy. At the time, he's a sheriff. Now he's number two. So they catch one of what was going on, and they say, no, 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 hell no. DA, we're supposed to be buddy buddies here. Don't let him out. Whatever you got to do, don't let him out. And so, it, so then it got political. Brother, it's always been political, brother. Yeah. Always. You, exactly. are, you always been the point. You, are, you were a political prisoner, yeah. bro. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, no matter how they look at it, you didn't get convicted of a crime. You got convicted of being you and a scapegoat. That's right. That's right. So these guys, these guys um, we're doing everything possible because now they would say, no, give us an opportunity to prove that what you both just determined to be his innocence, we're going to prove to you that he's guilty. And so they now they say, OK, well, I guess, you know, we work, you know, we're all here, you know, trying to get to the bottom of it. So they gave them an opportunity to go find and prove that I was that I was guilty. And so they went and told talked to confidential informants. They went and talked to old friends of mine. They, they, I mean, they, they were trying to do everything possible to avoid me getting out. They went to Folsom, interviewed me. I mean, they were just doing things they were not supposed to be doing yeah. on all kinds of levels. Anyway, so long story sh- uh, longer, they, uh, they, they, they can't do it. They can't, they can't Came interfere. They can't interfere. It's, it's, they tried. It was too, it was now exposed and what they were able to do was force the DA's office to take me to court, have the judge, don't just let him go, have a judge determine and hear all the evidence, let the judge make a call, which is obviously a lot harder. Like, now you need to get the witnesses in yeah, and all that stuff. Typically right? a so, judge won't, won't change the sentence of somebody else that's no longer sitting if the judge is retired or has passed away. Yeah. So they're like, oh, here we go, right? I'm picturing so, just mercy. Like so instead, of going, instead yeah. of going from just like, okay, DA, defense attorney, we shake hands, judge, sign, nobody even knows I'm out. I'm just, I'm out. Now we got to fight. I'm down from Folsom, get to the county jail, and I get there, and, you know, I know I'm making the story longer than it needs to be, but, you know, there's at least 10 cops waiting for me when the bus pulls up. I can Carrillo. Oh, here we go, right? So they come get me. 
I forget what unit it is, but it's high power and it's just like dungeon level, you know. But before they got there, you know, sleep deprived, the whole it just yeah, you know, yeah. he's here. Let's let's get his ass. You mm -hmm. know, let's see whatever they can do to tactfully to you know mess with me. Uh, one week long now habeas corpus hearing, like a mini trial by judge, and everybody's just coming to court. It was it was actually what it felt like, man, for me was that I get the court and my attorney's got some clothes for me. I have, I mean, I, I got, there was more, I had so many attorneys, they needed to get like uh, at least 15 attorneys on the defense table. Like you need to get like another table. Like it was just so much stuff going on. Right. And which is obviously a lot different than the first time. They said, Frankie, we got some clothes for you. Um, like, you know, the bailiff will bring them to you. Like you have to like, you know, be presentable in court. And I, I just like, I'm not going to wear any clothes. Like, no, I refuse to put on f like what I thought was like, Civilian like, like free, like regular stuff. Why? Why? I just felt like, who am I trying to, who am I trying to pretend? Like, who am I trying to fool here? Like the judge knows where I'm at. This is no, like, this is not a jury. Right. But your family will be, I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I'm not going to put on any, like, I'm not going to pretend to be free. Take me as I am. Like, okay. fuck it. Yeah. And they're like, come on. I'm like, look, man, just, let's just get the show on the road. Like, don't try to, don't embarrass me. I felt like I was being embarrassed, you know, like, witness after another, right? I, every, everybody gets a chance to get up there. Hmm. And on the last day, even the woman who, uh, Mariana Scalante, um, who I consider a friend now, the DA who prosecuted me, comes to court and says, you know, she's crying on the stand about how, how bad she feels about what happened, right? So it, it's all being played the out. The original prosecutor got original up. Original dude, yeah. yeah. So last, the last moment was really, to your point about like how, like when was the moment? Yeah. The DA in their closing argument, he, Brent. Brent Ferreira, guy I call a friend today, just kind of stops talking, looks over at me and is like, you know what, well, Your Honor, in a nutshell, he basically says that we've, we've, uh, we've, we've been able to prove our case and that the L.A. County District Attorney's Office is to, uh, has taken the position to like concede, like, we're, like we throw in the white towel. No reason to try to give you the judge, uh, you know, any pressure. What do I do? Yes or no. We're just saying, you know what? They win. He just, he just, he just concedes. Wow. So, you know, everyone in the court is like, wow, like ballsy. Would your, did your lawyer reach over and the all, show? All of them, dude. Like, it was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Did you get up and run out? Because I would have ran nah. out. Just in case they changed their wow. mind. Like, you know, we're, we're, my brother, so we're talking about the sheriff's department, right? So. Yeah. You know, so what happened was that I'm thinking, okay, tonight they'll let me go. Took them two days to find the keys to get me out of my cell. So come on, bro. <laughs> so now we're being real petty now. I, I oh swear to God, I mean, I, I, I'm saying it that way, but I'm thinking, come on, you heard the judge on the 14th of March say you're free to go. On March 16, I'm still in the in the men's central jail in this rat hole that they have me in. That is real dangerous. <laughs> it's just like. It's just like not cool, dude. It's just like I, I'm I'm kind of losing. Like those are the, the hardest two days of 20 years. Like, did I hear the judge correctly? Like, what, what what's going on? You know. So yeah. at this point, you've done you've been incarcerated 20 years. Over over 20 years, yeah. 
And so my attorneys are coming. It's like every moment of humiliation they can like put on me. It's like they do it. Right. So like, so they're like Frankie, like it's day 15 now, like whatever day, the day after my, the judge said, get out. So they come visit me. They're still like waiting for me to get out. And I don't know, I don't know how they did this dude, but they take him to a visiting room and they, they, I'm all shut, you know, leg, all, all the chains they can put on me. But I get there and they stretch my arm. They like cuff me to like way over there and they cuff me to like way over there. And I'm thinking like, is someone gonna come into the room? And like, are they gonna like let them in the room? This is why they're, they're handcuffing me this way. And the guy says, put your, put your like shoulder, like go like this. Cause they put the, it was like behind glass. Mm -hmm. So I have the, the phone right here yeah. and, and I'm like this dude. Like if I drop it, like I'm asked yeah. out. Wow. And they, they walk in. <laughs> this is what they see. Like, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's psychological warfare, man. You know, yeah. it's like, did they have to do that? It's petty. Like, look, it, they weren't, they weren't hurting me. It was like they were shocking me under the table or something, but like, no, that's shocking. What, what, no, what, that's, what are you doing that for? Cause you walking shocking. free is the ultimate noise ever like it just shines the biggest bright light on like what they did to this and this kid man is consistently it's, right you know and then i've always learned because i didn't i didn't sued wardens before you know i've been you know using <laughs> i didn't i was the guy that was doing 602s because i knew about the, the appeals process and they used to tell me you know when you play with our money mm -hmm. yeah, exactly that's when we got a problem i don't yeah. care about you doing yeah. life care about you what are you not one of us yeah they were worried about that lawsuit and so yeah. you know obviously i got out guys and I'll, I'll fast forward to uh to the to the good part you know was there any uh, part of okay it was just straight release it wasn't like you can't uh sue us you can't do this you can't just just doors open one day and so you know tmz moment i get out to uh, the men's central jail <sighs> and uh you know, they try to give me some, again, even the last, the last move, man, they try to give me some like rhinestone, like jacket. Rhinestone? Like, <laughs> dude, it was such a stupid I moment. Yeah, I wouldn't think of So these dudes were waiting for me at the, at the, like, you know, I don't have any, I don't have anything, right? So yeah. they said, okay, put this on, put this on. And it was like literally like a blazer with like every bejeweled you can think of, right? What year was this? This is 2011. 2011. And the pants might have been whatever, but it was still like, it's like, that's all we got. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to wear this shit, man. Like, come on. That's all we got. Like, you you want to get out or not? And I'm like, nah, man. So the guy who actually escorted me down there, this Latino dude, he's like, man, what? Like, let me see what else is back here, you know? And he gave me like this like oversized, like, you know, wasn't a salmon color. <laughs> polo right yeah so then of course i walk out and you know team all the cameras are there and family and friends are there and so on so that was uh that was a great day to be free you know wow. march 16 2011 man so march 16 2011 after 20 years yep so from the age of 16 to 37 i was you know, it's cool. They, uh, one of the local stations caught me like looking up, like sun was coming down on me. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was great, you know. But, you know, guys, before we get into the the part about what I've been doing, you know, I, I want to just sort of capstone this yeah. episode and say that as viewers know, as you guys personally know as well, and I, I know, like this system is designed to break you down to like the lowest common denominator of just being a human being. 
strip you name, strip you of identity, strip you of, uh, of to be able to dream a uh, future. And it's, a re- it's supposed to really design to break you and to really uh, take all the fight out of you. And so I'm, I'm, as I move into now post-incarceration, I knew, I knew from the day I got out that what they were trying to get from me, they couldn't do it. They tried to dim your light. Unreal. They didn't get it. You know, no matter you what, know, good good's gonna come over. You know, it's, what I'm saying? it's a trip, man. Like I think about it, like they were trying to, like, like w- w- what eventually led me to be t- to where I am today was his belief in myself and humanity, being optimistic, whatever, right? Whatever words I want to add to it, but like my spirit was intact. You protected your essence, exactly. And you still, you still had that that innocence. And I love, I love crying about it, man. For me, this is this yeah. is like how I celebrate on the inside. Yeah. You know, I'm not, oh, poor being like, no, this is like my, my, like, this is a parade that's, that's happening in my, in my, in my spirit right now to be like my heart to be like, yeah, dude, like you, you rocked that man. You, man, like what would break like the average person asked him in the beginning, like, is there anger or resentment for like, just what life has done to you? Like unfair, like completely unfair, like almost from day (laughs) one, like, you know? And that was the only it's thing. It's because you, you get, it's, it's like when the dude, like you just say the dude been down 30 some years. It's the only, see this for me, this, this crying, I wish I had what you mm. had. I got to go through this to cry. Because mm. I'm, I'm still traumatized right. by that. I'm still traumatized by the upbringing. Men don't cry. That's right. not what we do. We don't, what, what, what right. you showing this for? That's a sign of weakness. That'll get you killed, bro. Mm. Women cry. Babies cry. And they cry over stuff. Men don't do that because right. we don't have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Shit has to be done, and we have to be the ones to do right. it. You know right. what I'm saying? So, is 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 is, I thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. You know what I'm saying? I, I thank you. That's you still held on to that innocence. That's that's twenty you know, some years, and he's yeah. able to hold on to it. You know, I'll tell you guys. You know, the, you know. So today, in you know, in 2023, I'm a county commissioner. Mm-hmm. So I'm I I oversee the probation department in my as a one of the things I do in my in my everyday life. And so my my role now takes me into the juvenile halls at one in the morning or right. you know for breakfast and I you know interact with their staff and the idea is to make just it's just an oversight body. And so I'm in these spaces so it's it's uh, it's interesting to see sometimes I see myself in these kids, you know, there's one that kind of maybe might look like me or might you know trigger some memories but um, but you're right. The, the, the layout's still the same, right. you know, but you know, I'll, I'll tell you guys that, you know, at the core of this is that, you know, when I came home, I love my family. I wish that my family and I, my blood family would, would be like every other family, a healthy version of whatever family we can think of. But, you know, I, I, as you guys also are well aware that when you, when you're not there, you kind of grow apart and they, they live yeah. their lives without you. And then you show up one day and there's no catch up. There's no, there's no rewind. Yeah. They're, they're too far ahead and whatever, you know, is going on. And so for me, I, this advocacy button for my life, for others on the inside, uh, now the new people in my life, these these amazing attorneys and advocates who came to me, you know, majority 
you know, I didn't ask everybody because it's not what I do. Ask them what their political parties are, but I know now that they're Democrats, and so like the party, you know, embraced me by default. So I started doing things when I got out that would align with, you know, work at the Capitol, get involved with propositions and the, and the death penalty reform with juvenile justice, working with Elizabeth Calvin, like on and on, and this kind of became my family. But I still kind of didn't feel like, you know, I was. It still felt weird, you know. It still didn't feel like the way I thought it would feel, but at least I was in the right space. Well, I mean, you embody like resilience and and um, wow, uh, like this this is big. This was a big. I learned so many things. Um, I'm so grateful to you for so many reasons. I told you when I first met you um, that time in the stand-up cage in the Corcoran shoe. Uh, it was a room, it was like 10 people, but um, that was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, you know, this one is too. You represent, you know, basically what we're trying to do. We're trying to show that change is real, change is possible, despite, you know, what you've been through, that, you know, you can recover from it. We still have a lot to to offer the world, uh, good positivity to put in there. That's what we're trying to do here, you know, elevated conversation. Unusual alliances is what we mm-hmm. like to say. Mr. Fab. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Fab, cool people. But, yeah, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, man, I thank you. And and uh, I, I'm sorry for everything that you had to go through. Yeah, no, thank you, Brian. Dante, I really appreciate you guys. You know, I, I think uh, what, what I knew about coming into this podcast was uh, – you know, dynamics from your previous life that would have normally not kept you from sitting next to each other or being friends. And to know that, you know, as you said, you know, post shoe and the dog program and, and what made you guys, um, didn't force you guys to be friends, but it looked, look what it, look what it turned out to be, you know? Right. And so it's breaking these like paradigms or breaking these, these so-called rules that people have to live by. And like, we can create our own man and so to your point like you're right like we're ambassadors of hope we're ambassadors of change we're ambassadors of uh whatever fill in the blank right second chances and beyond so i'm really grateful to be here guys thank you so much of course i got two questions yeah (laughs) we'll we'll be here all day i got two questions (laughs) before we go and this this means it really means um down on the core of me to my soul um could you please say something to the fellas that are inside there, especially the, the, the lifers that, 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 you know, some guys, they, they're going to hear it. They might be at that point in their time where they just want to give up mm. or they got the family that's not supporting them or it's just everybody's gone. You know, a lot of brothers, they outlive their family mm. during this life sentence. Um, that's one thing. Could you address them and just give them some words of hope? And then number two, send a message to the people out there that are working with our youth. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take it in that order. So addressing uh, folks who are still on the inside, you know, especially with folks who maybe lost hope or, you know, facing either a young, fresh sentence that's long or maybe one that's sort of expired and wondering why they're still there. You know, one of the things that I did that helped me get out, I really believe this, no matter the circumstances, it helped me, me get out, is that I started... I started pretending to be free when I was in, in prison. Fake it till you make it. So there was a guy, there was a guy or guys who would give you the breakdown. Like, hey, you know, hey, youngster, you know how much time you got? Oh, you got five years? Okay, you know, maybe, um, you know, here's a little roadmap to, to how you should do your five years or whatever it might be. 
And as, a, as an observer, I would be like, well, that's, that's pretty good advice. You know, they got that. Like, yeah, they can do that. You know, kind of waste your time and towards the end, get it together, and then you get out. And at some point, I realized, you know what? That's, that's the worst advice ever. What they should be saying is, you got five years, start knocking out some school now. If you're smoking, stop smoking. Start working out. You got relationship building, go to church, whatever. You know, just from now, don't wait until the fourth year and then that last year, do it. And so I took that to heart. And I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend to be a free man and not tell anyone. I didn't tell my celly, I didn't tell my coworkers, I didn't tell anyone. And I just said, okay, what, what, is, what does a free man mean to me? What do I want to be? What do, how, do I, how, how am I going to be when I get out? And what came to my mind was I want to be respectful. I want to be kind. I want to be patient. I want to be understanding. I want to be... You get it, right? Yes, These sir. qualities that I want to, I want to. Would you live I want to embolden. I want to find. If I don't have them, I want to start practicing them. And I started thinking about myself differently. I'm like, you know, because now I was seeing myself as being worthy, as being. I, 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 I had outgrown. I had outgrown the limited vision that they had imposed on me. I was now that little pot with that huge plant that had that had been growing mm-hmm. that's what i that's felt that that was me i felt that i was a kid with that old school halloween mask that had a bunch of duct tape and rubber bands i was still trying to ho- hold it together and and for me i was like you know what i got to break that pot i got to i got to i got to let it all go and just be someone new on on the youth end i look back and i say how was I impacted when I was a kid? And so when I was a boy, what I remember was that, a, that men and women of a certain age were, were being adults. They were saying things to me that maybe I didn't want to hear, or they were correcting me, or they were, you know, they were just, they were speaking. But what I realized what they were doing was they were just planting seeds, they weren't, they weren't expecting me to fall to the ground and see reform on the spot. And so I think that, like, what people who are in that movement of, of, um, of giving guidance, especially to youth, young adults, understand that your job is to instill these seeds, this, this advice. You probably won't live or be around when that seed takes form and and that and and he's like oh now now i see what he meant might be 10 years down the line might be five might be whatever be satisfied that you have the privilege to be able to in to infiltrate when that 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 young man is or woman or person drops their guard and and, and is listening because i think what happens sometimes we we it gets a little egotistical and we think like didn't you hear what I just said? Man, I just did 37 years, man. You're supposed to be like listening to me, you know, or whatever. I don't know, whatever people think. And the idea is about just our job is just to see those soil, see those uh, um, seeds and hope that the next person waters it. And then eventually this person um, will remember the same way I remember 
that probation officer gave me some words of advice, my father, the teacher, uh, random person on the bus, whatever. That that's that's my makeup. These this this tapestry of people guiding me, pushing me, moving me, and instilling these 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 uh, these words of advice. Even Lupe, who just said, "What's for dinner tonight?" Which is kind of what I'm worried about right now. What's for dinner? <laughs> <you know? laughs> Let's do it. Hey, thank you. We thank you uh, yes, for sir. for joining us here and. Um, you know, everybody watching, we encourage you leave some comments. Let us know uh, moments that inspired you, moments that provoked thought. Because I know for me, there were a lot of them in here. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank That's you so right. much. Yeah. Take a picture, of you guys, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right, man, there you are. Got it. Well, thank you, guys. Have yes, a very good. Yeah, yes, sir. Well, we got to get the group picture. Yeah. Oh my oh. goodness, that's too.